All right, so it's uh, it's you. It is me. They said he couldn't do it. They said he shouldn't do it. <laughs> he did it anyway. Welcome to Sneaky Dragon. My name is David Dedrick. And I'm Ian Boothby. Hi, Hello. everyone. Hi. Hello. Hello. How have you been? What's up? What's up in Dave Land? What's up in Dave let's Land? Check in, let's check in and sit in Marty Croft's Dave Land. <laughs> oh, well, Dave was really curious. He went into his shed, and then he fell into a hole. People thought he was dead, but he fell into podcast land, and then he ate a piece of ham, and then that ham turned bad, and then he had to wear a hat. <laughs> okay. That's what happens to ham when it turns bad. It becomes a hat. Here's what I like. Yeah. Here's what I like about uh, the Lidsville thing that I'm sort of parodying there. Yeah. Is Lidsville's the creepiest uh, uh, song? Yeah. It's like all these horrible things. That, you know, this kid falls into a hat and like you know, and then it ends with just this happy bouncy number. Like this, it just it just shifts gears completely. It's yeah. just like yeah, and he's falling, da da da, and all these things, and then and ah ah da ah da. Everyone is happy now, and happy times are happy now. What happened? I feel like we we missed a big chunk of like why he's happy and everyone's dancing now. It's like he clearly was falling into yeah. hell, and now he's like he's happy in Lidsville. And, yeah, he's in Lidsville, and he's all happy, and everyone's dancing. It's like what the what the hell is going on? Huh. And then there's a genie anyway. But so back to Dave Land. How are things in Dave Land? I guess Lidsville is the, the uh, sports hat store before it became incorporated. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Because that store Lids. That's right. Yeah, that does make sense. It's also a slang term for drugs. Lids. Yeah, lid. Yeah. For what kind of drugs? That's a good question. I'm not a real. Get out uh, your Get out your Hardy Boys Detective Handbook and find out all the all the uh, slang terms for drugs. That's right. But remember, it's very handy for that. When every I was a story kid. is about smuggling. <laughs> if you're writing your Hardy Boys story, it is about. Uh, okay, uh, it is uh, an ounce of uh, marijuana. Is a lid. Oh, that that makes sense. Yeah, the, that you quantity, say that. the quantity of I marijuana that. that will fit in a flat Prince Albert pipe uh, tobacco can. Yes. Which is a lid. Yeah. So there you go. So Lidsville lids the kookookiest. Lidsville lids the kikikiest. It's lucky when we were kids we didn't call someone and ask if they had Prince Albert in a can. Mm. And then they thought we were the cops who knew something about them and they showed up. Oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. That could have been... Yeah, it could have been a movie in the making. Sure. Well, it could be now. Or very short, very short-lived. Yeah, indeed. Events. Anywho, in my world. Yeah. What's been? How's well, your week been? You know, uh, do I you would, have computers now? At uh, we work? do not have. Com- well, we do kind of have computers at work. Okay. We actually had a meeting today, and I had to attend it. Blah. Um, where we discussed the necessity for us to stretch out our working days so that we can all use the computer because there's nine people. Who need to use three three stations? Oh wow! Okay. So, um, some people are coming in at five Oof. next week and leaving at seven. Oof. Which or sorry, leaving at two. Which oh, okay, because I'm going like better. that's too yeah. long a day. <laughs> too long a day. Sorry. Uh, coming in at sorry, I was thinking of the time we don't tell me start coming in at five and leaving at two, okay. which I would have loved that. That sounds great. Uh, other people are coming in normal time, seven till four. Okay. And I'm coming in eight. An hour late and leaving at five. An hour. Oh, late. which you just like because then you're just released into the darkness. Well, it's, it's not, not even darkness. Yeah. Yeah, like the other way, you, get, you start your day early and then you finish early. Yeah, that's pretty good. 
Now I start my day late and I finish late. But anyway, that's fine. So it's just so that there's less of a... Because uh, right now everyone's here at the same time. And so we're all just sort of shuffling around and trying to get use the computer. And then it was discussed that we need to have like priority use. So for instance, today, because it was the last day of the month, people who do the invoicing need to have the computers and be pretty much only them using the computers, you know, or the two that do it, you know, right. have it using two computers and not everyone else is bugging off because they don't need, this is a priority thing. And then uh, I'm kind of priority as well because, you know, we're however many weeks in and we've had lots of trailers come and I have not received any product into, into inventory. I'm sure some has been received that has been shipped and been invoiced and stuff like that. So I'll be going through and going, oh, already, already received. Okay. Oh, already received. All right. Um, but it hasn't been done systematically, which is what I do. So that has to get done sooner than later. So the, this, these are things that need to happen. So I'll be working late on Monday. Or I'll come in late on Monday and I'll discover that miracle of miracles, they have all the computers working at work, which okay. I don't think that'll happen. But, but uh, we left an hour early yesterday because they sh- shut down all the servers and they're, they purposefully shut them down. Okay. And then they're supposed to be restarting them. And then a bunch of computers are supposed to come online with this, but it didn't happen. So wow. <laughs> we just don't know what's going on. So it just, it's, uh, you know, some people have, um, we have Wi-Fi today. Okay. I, don't have the, I don't have the password, but there was Wi-Fi at work today. And then um, we were able to print off the computer, like to the printer. So that's good. So the, it's slowly returning to normal. Okay. And then... Yeah, and then I had two trailers today, so that <laughs> made it, it was a pile-up day. Um, but here's this is this is the I mean, this never happened to me before in my life. It's a new it's a new stage in my life. Okay, that's good. It's good to have new things in your life. Is it? Let me tell you what happened. So I went to a, <laughs> okay. Well, some things not. I went to a concert last night. All right, you've done that before. I've done it many times. You've been part of concerts. And this was I went to see Julia Jacqueline and, and Sneaky Dragon listening party listeners will. If they will remember, I'm sure they remember this. Why would they forget it? That back in 2019, I think I chose her her album uh, "Crushing" as one of my, I think, top ten or top five albums for that year. If you don't believe Dave, go back and check. Yes, all the episodes are available at sneakydragon.com. <laughs> so then call him a liar. Yeah, then but don't please, before then. That's right. Don't preemptively call me a liar. No. After after I lie, call me a liar. So then, so she's. I was. Went to see, I mentioned going to see X slash Psychedelic Furs a little while ago. Okay. And while we were there at the Commodore, they have like screens on either side of the stage. And before the show starts, they just sort of run a cycle of little promos for bands that are coming. And most of them at what? Who? Yeah. Some of them, you know. The Screwheads. Yeah. Fudge. Yeah. It's more, than, it's more than names now. There's not that many the bands. The Contented Cows. Bands have gone away. All right. Bands are gone. Now it's names of people? Now it's names of people. So, Or they just take on like a kind of pseudonym. pseudonym, Sudoku. (laughs) Sudoku name. It's all math. So Sudoku um, is opening for Wordle. Is opening for... A nom de tune. So so there's like a person coming. Oh, I can't remember their name now. There's people there and you're just like, I don't... Not only do I not know who this is. Like Mm -hmm. I've never heard of them ever. And they're coming. Like I don't even know... Right. Apparently they're big enough that they fill the Commodore, right? Which is not a small, not a small club. It's a pretty big. Place. And, and the and the situation is uh, the one day that you don't recognize any name, yeah. You then turn and look in a mirror, and then you're the oldest man in the world. 
and then you just turn to dust. That's what happens. That's my fate. And then you fall into the giant urinal that's yeah, there. That that is my fate. So I don't know if they have the giant urinal anymore. They had a communal urinal once upon a time at uh, Com- Commodore. Yeah, it was, a, it was one of those uh, large. You're right. You're troughs. right. You're right. That's where we. Uh, that's where we we uh, trapped uh, Peter Buck from REM. Robert Upsall and I, we trapped him in the bathroom. And, and that's he, how you get his gold? He gave us backstage passes. <laughs> oh, okay. That's a right. form of gold. <laughs> form of gold. Um, so, so yeah, we were there at the show, and I was looking at the screen, and there was some bands I recognized. Stereo Lab was coming and things. And then Julia Jacqueline's name came up, and I was, like, super excited because I really like her. And so, like, while we were standing there waiting, I bought tickets for the show. Like, oh, nice. Song. And... Then, because you had the Wi-Fi there, that's right. Well, I didn't have Wi-Fi; I just used my data. Mm. Good enough. Uh, so then, I don't really like signing on to to Wi-Fi at places. I got me wanting to check my my phone, make sure my data's not gone right now. That'd be a waste. Nope, it's good. Everything's good. Okay, you're right. on, on Wi-Fi. So then, uh, so we went to the show last night, and Lisa and I were there. And let me just say, it was a young young crowd. It was a young crowd of people, and it was packed. Mm-hmm. And my thought was, because everyone I said who I was going to the concert to, their response was, who? Everyone. Didn't matter who. But it was packed. And I was thinking... Me as well. Yeah. Yeah. You as well. Yeah. But and I'm I, very old. <laughs> so, no older than me. Okay. So then uh, I, I almost felt like turning around to people saying, how do you know? Like, how did you hear about this? She's my aunt. Yeah. I think it's Spotify. Yeah. I think that's... Yeah. Like, Spotify obviously pays terribly. And all artists are starving. But I think in terms of like, because of the way their algorithm works, sort of like, oh, you like so-and-so, you might like this. Right. Kind of gets people But there's there. also a thing where like, if you if you have any real interest in music, and you hear like, uh, oh, who's this band? Oh, or this singer. And it's like, you instantly can like, have the album. You're there. You've mm-hmm. got it immediately. Yeah. And you can listen to it, and yes or no. There yeah. you go. Whereas before, I'd be like, I gotta remember that. Next time I'm at a record <laughs> store. Sure. You know. And you have to, yeah. But I mean, well, that's fine. So then. Yeah. You'd have to go downstairs and go to Odyssey Records, which I'm sure is uh, still there. Nope. Okay. Across the street then to uh, <laughs> Black, uh, what is it, Black Widow uh, Music. You can go there. There was a punk rock place across the street. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You can you can shop there. If not, you can go to A&B Sound. And if, if that's not there, Dave, yeah. what you can do is you can yeah. no, go, go, ahead. go to Kelly's. Go to Kelly's, yeah. Go to Kelly's. Go to Kelly's. Go upstairs at Kelly's. Take the escalator upstairs to Kelly's. That's what you should do. The first time Wait I went, second, let me look in the mirror. I'm the oldest man in the world. It turns to dust. <laughs> the first time I went into Vancouver, there there was a record store there called Phantasmagoria on that record row along, okay. along with Odyssey and Kelly's. And and the reason it sticks in my mind is because it's the only up to when Virgin Megastore opened, it was the only record store I'd ever been in that had listening stations. Ah. But that was during records. So you'd have to get yeah, yeah, yeah. have records in there and you could listen to the record. To be honest, I was too impatient for that, but that's what you could do if you wanted. Uh, but anyway, so we're waiting for the show to start. And this young man behind us, who's a little drunk, but he's like, Hey, are you here to see Julia Jacqueline? Are you uh, chaperoning someone? <laughs> so it's never happened before. <laughs> so anyway, we were seriously the oldest people there. Yeah. By far. Like it was the youngest crowd I've ever been in since I saw Metric at, at Commodore. And really heavily young uh, girls. Yeah. Like, lots of girls there. Okay. How, how old is this artist? 
she's in her twenties, I guess. Was she the same age as the uh, as the people that probably were there? a little older than them? But okay. she's writing from their writing into their experience. You know what I mean? Like right. her songs are their songs. What you should have said to the guy was, uh, "I'm a narc. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> I really, I really into narking." <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, enjoy I the to, music, young person. I wanted, to, I, should, I wanted to say, how old do you think I am? I've got her albums on CD. <laughs> oh, that's how old I am. I have her <laughs> albums on CD because I I like to buy um, like I like to buy CDs if they have them. Yeah, but they just had records, so I was like, nope, I'm not buying records. What a waste of my money. Yeah, take a stand. I'll buy records in a thrift store, but I will not buy them new. And you'll buy a record, but you won't uh, go to the listening station because who's got that kind of time? Yeah, it's, it's too impatient. You're just standing there at the, li- the listening <laughs> station going, come on! Yeah. Come on! Well, it's more like, I could be, oh! I could be doing the fun of flipping through sure. CDs, not standing there listening to Coldplay. That's only when I listened to it at Virgin, it was Coldplay. Sure. I thought, oh, who, who are these guys? Listen to it for a bit. Went, eh, okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah, well, it sounds like one of these guys would uh, do well with Gwyneth Paltrow for a while. I don't know why I'm thinking that. Yeah, <laughs> that's anyway. my first impression of, of Coldplay. Yeah, and I don't recognize any of these other artists at all. Wait a second, where's that mirror? <laughs> Can't look into it. We'll turn to dust. And instead, Virgin uh, Records turned to dust. Actually, I think another artist that I picked in 2019 for best or for top ten or top whatever it was. Records of, of that year is, is coming in March to the Commodore. Because mm. I was saying to Lisa, oh, I'd, I would buy tickets for that, but I think we're just going to get asked if we're there to. <laughs> I don't know they're going to ask us by that point. It's a weird thing. Like uh, like I said, I did uh, stand-up. Yeah, I did stand up like two weeks ago, mm-hmm. two weeks ago. Yeah, and uh, and I was clear. I was clearly the uh, oldest person doing stand up there. Yeah, uh, but uh, when I when Why I were you doing it at preschool, I don't know. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. Don't you hate boogers? Um, <laughs> hey, does does glue taste different now? <laughs> Am I right? You know what I'm talking about. This guy knows. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Those those do. Uh, those are intergenerate because I was thinking like, what's with the blue eraser? But yeah, no one knows what that. No, no. kid would know what that is now. Yeah, you wouldn't. Not at all. Nope. Glitter gets everywhere, right? Am I right? You know what I'm talking about. And your mom gets all like, ooh, and then your dad's like, hey, who's had the Legos in the carpet? And oh, ow, my foot. And it's like, hey, dad, make a shoe out of Legos. Maybe that would work. And he doesn't laugh at that because you know your dad's mean. Anyway, uh, who loves mums? Mums are nicer, right? Am I right? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. This guy's peeing his pants. Hopefully with laughter. Nope, just regular? Okay, fair enough. Anyway, tip your weight staff. Um, I don't know with what. Candy? Do you have some? Uh, but uh, when I was doing when I was doing it, like afterwards, I, I thought like, oh, I'm stand up age, so that's okay. Like almost all the people that do stand up and have stand up specials, yeah, they're not a million miles away from like my age. Okay, so it's like, oh, this is this is fine. Yeah. And the weird thing is, when you saw them all doing stand up like 10, 15 years ago, when I sort of started to follow most of them, like Patton Oswalt and whatever, yeah, they're all and and Zach Galifianakis and uh, Maria Bamford, uh, they they were all doing bits then about like, uh, oh, I'm so old. <laughs> they're not doing that anymore. <laughs> Fifteen years later, nope. This is just this That's, is just it. It's not so funny this anymore. Is, no, I think it's just this is just it. It's like they burnt out of all that material. Mm. You know, it's like. Mm. No. I mean, Patton does do a, a thing in his new thing about like you know being made of glass or whatever mm. because you're uh, the age but that's just because he broke his foot. Yeah, 
but uh, that was always the thing. Like all their, there, there was so many jokes about you know how how they're all getting older, and 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 I, I did see like some stand-ups doing those jokes who were like in their early twenties, and it was like, huh, okay, no, you're right, you're the oldest you've ever been. It's fine, it's fine. <laughs> but I, I I like that. Uh, what I'm doing is acceptable at my age culturally right now. So I was like, okay, all right, that's fine. That's fine. No one's like, what's this guy? Oh, yeah, it's the same age as that guy that I like. Okay, that's fine. All right, we're, we're fine with that. We're fine. Whereas if I was a musician starting off, woo, yeah. that'd, be, uh, that'd be rough. I guess. I, I don't know. There's, there's has been, have been musicians that started late and did all right. Okay. You know, it's probably more of an uphill climb. And pro and also probably like uh, you know Netflix specials aren't the way to gauge who's the most successful comedian, but uh, you know generally because they give them away like like candy at a preschool. But when people talk about you know who's your favorite uh, stand-ups, it's usually you know someone like a Chris Rock or what have you, or you know Mark Maron or what 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 be. And it's like, oh yeah, they're from of that era. There's, I mean, there's definitely uh, up and comers like uh, Bo Bo Burnham and and whatnot, uh, you know, who are doing amazing stuff. But generally, it feels like it's of, of that kind of era and mm-hmm. ilk. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just like unaware of the uh, new up and comers. And uh, searching for my stand-ups on Netflix says something about me. It's like I, I like CDs or something. <laughs> it's that kind of situation. <laughs> I like CDs. That's a good name for a. Good name for a podcast, com- a co- comedy special, and a podcast, series. and a podcast. Yeah, it's like I like CDs. Yeah, I do like CDs. I prefer CDs. To Sir, records. are you a chaperone? Sir, I need a ride home. <laughs> uh, I got a question to ask you. Yeah, are you a block parent? <laughs> yes, that'd be interesting to walk around with a shirt that had the block parent logo on it. Just yeah, yeah, and be like, oh, he's a block parent. Okay, I can go and actually approach. I don't him. think they do that program anymore. Oh, did something happen? I don't think anything happened. I think just culturally things aren't the same. Okay. I don't think you'll see them in Windows anymore. Okay. The way that we did as kids. Um, the other thing that happened was when we were in line going into the club, um, the guy was carting people and he just he just uh, passed us by. <laughs> I had my, I had our, our, we had our licenses ready to show and he's just like, I'm fine. You don't need you guys. It's good. I was like, what? You don't want to check her? Check our licenses with. Uh, and the Block Parent program is still around. Oh, it is. Yep, same logo, same what? things. Yeah, I just don't. I see haven't them. seen. I haven't seen either. In yeah, the the thing in Windows, I have not seen. Yeah, it. I've never seen it anywhere. In, in Alder, but it's Aldergrove. We're notoriously untrustworthy. Right. So that's the good. Wise of them not to trust us as Block Parents. Irresponsible, nitwits. Though there is an article here about Block Parent signs disappearing. Mm, okay. Yeah. Oh. Okay, wait. All right. This is interesting. Sorry. Uh, so, uh, all right. Uh, the the Block Parent Society is asking volunteers to remove the familiar signs from homes across the province because of concerns the signs could be misused to lure children now. Yes. yes. Oh, okay. And then, That's what it is. Okay. 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 So, to get the signs back, uh, if you want to be part of the program, you have to pass a criminal record check now. Yeah. Yeah, so I think well, it was more... Fine. Lo- it should have been like that in the first place. Yeah, I think it was just more loosey-goosey back then. Mm-hmm. It was just like, sure, I'm safe. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's your sign. <laughs> like even to even at church when I was like doing opening and closing and just like with adults, I had to have a criminal record check done. Yeah? Who does that check? RCMP. Oh, okay. Yeah, like you have the, they'll, I guess, check your, <laughs> check the records, your permanent records, check the record. And then, uh, then they, then they, uh, 
give you the okay. Or and not. what if you like shoplifted when you were like uh, younger? I don't think minor offenses count, but okay. if you got, I believe my uncle, like my aunt was, couldn't be a block parent, but she was like, she was, uh, they had some kind of like halfway thing. So she could be a block parent, but my, my uncle couldn't. So they couldn't have the sign in the window. Okay. They had to have some, some other thing in the window. I can't remember what it was now because he had like got charged with, with, uh, f- for fighting as it like. You know, like getting a physical fight, like sure. as a teenager. Oh, as a teenager. Like it was a late, like I was a, okay. you know, like a late early adult, whatever. And so, that was on his permanent record, like permanent criminal record. Like he always had that. So, it didn't stop him from like being able to go to the states and stuff like that. It must have been like a minor thing, but it it still affected his ability to be a block parent. Right. Yeah. I always wondered that, like when we're crossing a border or stuff, it's like what what's on that screen. What's coming up? What business? Your life, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is it like, is it like if you had that kind of thing, would that pop up on the screen, you know, while you're uh, crossing the border because you want to go uh, get a donut uh, in the States? <laughs> it probably gets easier to go across the border as you get older because there's more information there that just shows that you're trustworthy and that you're a citizen. Like when you go across as a young person, yeah, there's nothing there. It's like your your credit your your credit is equally zero. You know, you just mm-hmm. you have credit at the border of zero as well. You haven't built up your border credit. You know, you don't have a house, you don't have a job or much of a job. Yeah, I don't know if the border was loose back then or uh, I just was ignorant. One of the two was the case. I would just mm-hmm. like walk across the border or boat across the border or go through a fence. That sounds wrong, but yeah, we we'd go through the fence here and cry. Yeah. Yeah, I had a friend who like lived near the border, okay. and so we'd yeah take her boat and we'd just like go across. Or I, if they caught you, you'd get in trouble. But I don't. There are sensors now. There even was then. Like I remember my my friend, my friend Ian, not your this friend Ian, but a different oh, friend Ian. What? Okay. Um, he as a teenager, he, and this is quite a long time ago. He's older than us. He decided uh, it would be fun for him and a girl to canoodle in a car. Uh, on the U.S. side of, of, of Zero Avenue. And so they pulled into the bush and they were, you know, doing some canoodling. Right. A little spooning. And uh, the border agents came up. <laughs> crept up on And them. asked him if he had anything to declare. <laughs> <laughs> yes. My humiliation, he said. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so I guess I ha- he had to uh, back out of the woods in a state of a near of undress and... Uh, and back onto the Canadian side. I don't, they didn't get arrested or anything. It was just more. Kind but of is a, that on his record? No, he didn't get arrested. Okay, all right. Just yeah, just they just gave him a verbal warning, I guess, and said to skedaddle, which he did. My favorite. I, this is nothing to do with anything at all, but that's fine. This is what the show's about. My favorite story from him <laughs> is his friends and he decided they were going to go camping, and so they brought. I think it was, they brought a friend's dad's car, and they drove, and they got up into the woods and then they got lost mm. and they had to drive the car down this old dry creek bed and they had to creep down it because it was you know the car would scrape and it was like you know and the tires were it was like a big giant mess and they were going down slowly having to go down this you know inch by inch down this creek bed and then they got through all that and then they were sort of driving along this pathway in the woods and they passed this person who was going for a walk who was just like so nonplussed to see this car <laughs> mysteriously driving in the woods. Like, <laughs> how did it get here? It was like, it was, like it was struck by a helicopter. Uh, yeah, it's a good story. <laughs> I like that image. They have to picture like an old 60s car. It's not, yep. like, not like a new, not like a crossover or something like that. This is like an old Rambler, 
you know, not made not made for any, to do anything other than drive on the road and, and right. barely that. And that was, of course, back when you did not have the ability to just take out a phone and just go, where am I? <laughs> just <laughs> yes. like, oh, here's where you are. Lost. <laughs> you could take out a phone if you wanted to, but it, didn't, it wasn't very helpful. Yeah. Well, I don't even know if he would have had a phone. Well, I don't know when this was going on. No, no. You you would just have, a, like, a home phone. Oh, just bring a, bring yeah. a phone with you? <laughs> yeah. And the, with a rotary dial, I'm yeah, assuming? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And you use that to club a raccoon that's <laughs> trying to attack you. You might yeah. have just had one you recently moved and you still had it sitting in your trunk. Here would have been the funny thing. Mm-hmm. It'd be like if they're driving down the the, the, the dry creek and, uh, and they're, oh, geez. And then they just hear honk, honk behind them. It's another car trying to pass. <laughs> That would have been good. Yeah. <laughs> an old an old Jeep or something like that that was much much more suitable for the Right, journey. and he looks back and it's like, hey, that's a girl I was canoodling with. <laughs> <laughs> Canoodlers. Yeah. In Canada, it's called canoodling, and it's called uh, America noodling in the uh, States. That's it's, it's different. It's subtly different. There's small things that you have to change when you're having sex in the States, as opposed to having sex in Canada. I, just, I think it was just some heavy petting, not... Yeah. Uh, not full on. Yeah, in in Canada, you have to uh, French kiss and then kiss in English afterwards just to balance it out. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's yeah. true. <laughs> very chaste, very chaste kiss. After. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, poor guy. And, and and you know, not a bad day for the uh, for the border guards because no, you know I'm sure they had a few. Laughs. Stu- yeah, it's like they you know they might be having to deal with like gangs or drugs or yeah, yeah. really uh, ugly things. And I was like, okay, let's just go embarrass a kid. All right. Or a young, young, young couple. Hey, knock it off. <laughs> Quit it. Stop yeah. it. Yeah, there was quite a bit when during uh, the height of the pandemic, there was quite a bit of, uh, quite a few families who would meet at the border and just be chatting with each other with the, but they couldn't, cro- they couldn't obviously cross to, to right. you know, to be with each other, but they could stand at a distance and, and chat. Yeah. But they couldn't visit each other at that time because the border was closed. For quite a while, really. Yeah, I haven't crossed the border since the pandemic. Actually, I I, I think I can now. You haven't driven down for a movie, or I haven't gone down at all. No, mm-hmm. no. I just, I guess I've just been not. Wor- I'm not worried about coronavirus so much. I'm just worried about like what kind of uh, what the rules are when you're trying to go back across the border. Like I don't, I don't know what the rules are. So. Right. You're you're a dual citizen, though. I am a dual citizen, but that doesn't mean that I don't have to take a test or pass some sort of. Or quarantine period. I just don't know what the rules are. So right. I'm just like, shrug. What's the point? I mean, yes, I would like to go down to, to get some Tapatio-flavored Doritos. <laughs> but, you know. That's what it all comes down to. I'll have to wait. I mean, that's part of it. Like, if I go down and get gas, then I'll I'll go to the Safeway in Linden and buy isn't it, Isn't it weird just thinking, like, you know, uh, that, that that was just such a short time ago. That was oh, such a short time ago. And yet it was such a long time ago. It was both it's short and it's long. It's true. Yeah. What's, what's weird is that we lived there for so long, and it was only recently that we kind of discovered that it was, in a way, easier for us to just drive across the border to go watch a movie mm. in Bellingham than it was for us to drive all the way into Vancouver. Like, it's about the same distance. It's about the same time. But there's, you don't have to worry about parking or people everywhere, driving through down through downtown Vancouver, you know, to go see a movie at uh, Tinkletown. Mm-hmm. So you just get on, go across the border, get you know the cocked eyebrow from the from the uh, border guy. <laughs> go to see a movie, all right, whatever. Uh, and then you just head right down, 
Yeah. Down the Guy Meridian and then you're you're in Bellingham. It's weird. It's weird to me, you know, because I live in Vancouver. Yeah. Kind of on the border of Burnaby. And uh, we see movies in North Van. Yeah. And like, uh, it's because the, the, the movie theater there is about 20 minutes away. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's much quicker than like going downtown. And it's like, yeah. it's very strange. Like, what? North Van's? How's North Van closer? <laughs> it makes no sense. But uh, yeah, we go, we go there well, and we. Vancouver live. is sprawling, is one reason. Mm hmm. It's a big place. So. Like, I've lived here uh, since I was 18, generally, yeah. uh, off and on. And uh, and there's so much here in this neighborhood. And I've been in this neighborhood now, like, five, five years, four years, five years. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's so much that I didn't know about, like, this neighborhood. And I've even lived in this neighborhood before yeah. for a brief period of time. And it's like, I didn't know about this pool that was over there. I didn't know how close <laughs> all this other stuff was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah, it's great. Yeah. I really enjoy walking to Burnaby from here and like just seeing like the, the old businesses that are still around. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's less and less every time, but still it's, it's interesting. <laughs> yes. Every time, you, every time you go for a walk, there's one less business. Yeah. But even like about 10 years ago, there was like some businesses there from like the 50s and yeah. whatnot that were still hanging around yeah. in weird bowling alleys and stuff. <laughs> I was like, hmm, it's, it's neat. It is. Uh, it is. And it is, it's so, sort of the same. Uh, my friend at work, he, has taken up, I don't know, it seems kind of loopy, but he's taken up playing this, like, video, not video game, a game on his phone that rewards him with, like, percentages of Bitcoin. Okay. For, like, finding chests. But he's taken up, like, going biking around Surrey and looking for, like, where chests would be. And it's just become kind of like a part fitness, part, you know, collecting Bitcoin obsessive. It's his Pokemon. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's his, yeah, it's his his, uh, motivation in life is money. But he... uh, He's just discovered like all these areas that he didn't know. Like he's grown, spent his whole life in Surrey. Like that's where he grew up. But he's still discovering like find this little neighborhood he didn't even know was there. This cute old neighborhood with a beautiful ravine in it and stuff. He's just like, oh, it's so impressive. They find these beautiful places, you know. And then also, I find a chest with uh, Bitcoin in it. I used to be like that walking through Stanley Park, and then all of a sudden it'd be like, this is the old polar bear uh, enclosure. What's, <laughs> yeah. What, what, what the hell? Yeah. They just like left this here and just let it get covered in vines and what. What? This makes no sense. Why would they do? Okay. I guess it's. I guess it costs them more to get it taken out than just to let it sit there and. I guess so. Turn to dust. Yeah, it's very. It's just very strange. Is that old me. pool still there? If you go along the seawall. Oh, which one are you talking about? That old horrible pool that looked like it was just a murder pool. It was dark and. Well, there is a pool there. There's a second beach pool. No, no, no. That what second beach pool is like nice. This was yeah. the old like. Kind of near where Lumberman's Arch was. Remember, there was like a pool there. Oh. It was like a cement bin. <laughs> oh. Ocean water. Just had the ocean water go in it. Okay. Well, that was also Second Beach, but yeah, uh, for, for for a while. Okay. Uh, no, it's interesting. I'd like to know what that pool was. Yeah. Hmm. Pretty sure it was near Lemmermans. I mean, this is my my youthful memory. I could be mixed up. Right. Location. No, you got me very curious about this. Yeah, no, it's fun finding stuff in uh, in your old uh, in, in in your you know that you've never seen before, especially yeah. oldie stuff. Yeah. All right, lumberman's arch pool. Yeah, because you kind of assume, oh, I know everything. <laughs> I don't know that I say I know everything, but one thing is kind of interesting. Not interesting. What's the word for it? It doesn't matter. One thing that's of mediocre interest is when Lisa and I first started going out together, we would often like just go for little drives around Langley, mm-hmm. and we passed this old train station building and it's a big fancy gothic structure Mm -hmm. just in the middle of nowhere in langley literally in nowhere and we passed it one time and we could never find it again because we didn't know where we were we were just (laughs) tootling around and we didn't we're really like looking at the street names or anything 
now it's a common place we pass by if we're going, if we're cutting uh, through part of the rural part of Langley to go to get around the freeway uh, j- traffic jams. And this is it is like an old CN uh, rail railroad, like it's an old house. It's been sold now, and people live in it. Mm-hmm. But they live right next door to the railroad tracks. Like oh wow, <laughs> like you okay. walk out your door and look out. You know, there's a lot of a lot of space to put pennies on the rails there. <laughs> And yeah, so it's a really neat place. But it was just weird. Like we knew it was there, but like we knew we found it, but we could never find it. We, mm. It wasn't until like we just happened upon it one time, just sort of cutting, cutting through. What, what are you looking at? I'm looking at the uh, the pool you were talking about. So it was it was at uh, Lumberman's Arch, and okay. it was a little pool. It's now the Variety Kids Water Park. It got yes. filled in, so that's yeah, what it is now. Yeah. yeah. I knew the water park was there. I just wondered. I didn't know the location of the pool. I wondered if it was still like just sort of because if it seems to me that when you walked along the seawall, it was on the ocean side of the the wall, whereas that that oh. play area is on the is on the park side of the seawall. Okay, yeah, maybe they they changed it, but yeah, they got uh, it got filled in. Mm. Oh, that's I don't blame them because it just looked like it looked like it looked like a horror because it was <laughs> had barnacles in it, you know, and it just yeah. like why would you want to go into a swimming pool that's a dark as fuck. Full of salt water, which I don't know, I'm not a big fan of. And then also, uh, you know, has barnacles on the wall. <laughs> like, you know, you know uh, a place that I have never yeah. been, and it's ridiculous because it is literally 10 minutes from my okay. place, okay. is the uh, the racetrack. I've never been oh, to you've the, never been to the racetrack? I've never been to the racetrack. Mm-hmm. I've, I've heard that the like uh, the little cafes in there are, are fine. Well, I've, I have uh, promoted the corned beef sandwiches you can get at the racetrack. Yeah, I've heard good stuff about the sandwiches. Good. They're very good. And the other thing is there apparently is a park in the middle of the racetrack that you can cross over to and go, oh, go that into right? that's like in the center I of the racetrack. I mean there is a there is a, a greenery there, but yeah. I didn't know it was a park. Yeah, and you can and it's accessible it like anytime you feels can a bit just presumptuous. Walk down. Yeah, and I go to I go to a park that's well I I go I go to a park that's like right next door to it, like mm. all the time to write. Yeah. But I've never been to that, even though there's a park over there, and I've never yeah. been to the racetrack, even though I think that would be an interesting thing to see. But no, in my whole life I've never gone. <laughs> it's right there. I think it's well, so it's probably, strange. It's probably timing because they don't race every day. I don't even care about the racing. Just to like go and see mm, it. Yeah, yeah. You know? The yeah. most I've seen is like uh, when I'm at the PE and I'm like, oh yeah, people are going to the racetrack. <laughs> and you sort of hear hear the horses and it's like, <laughs> yeah. And son of a bitch. That's the name of the horse, is it? Yep. And son of the bitch going on. Son of a bitch is uh, followed by I lost it all. I lost it all is followed by daddy shame. Daddy shame is followed by what was I thinking? What was I thinking? Followed by wearing a barrel. Wearing a barrel. <laughs> <laughs> That's followed by old reference. Old reference. <laughs> old reference. Huh? There's toothpaste being squeezed on the rail. That's, nice. that's from that. Uh, you ever heard that one? It's a William Tell Overture. But in the middle of it, Doodles Weaver does like this race uh, race narration, you know, and it has all like those kind of terrible jokes. Sure. You know, there's underwear falling down behind. I like it. <laughs> it's, just all silly. it's quite It's quite silly, but good. Of course, as a six-year-old, not six-year-old, but a grade six kid when I, I heard of Spike Jones and I found... The book of the or book, the record of the library, like the best of Spike Jones, and I had one of those. It's hard to explain. You have to be my age to understand. <laughs> it had one of those. <clears throat> excuse me. It had one of those um, caricatures where they're like airbrushed caricatures of the person. All right. Do you know what I mean? Okay. So they're kind of like big headed, and it's I mean, obviously I can like picture it. I don't know if there's anything I'm missing. Okay. This. Anyway, so it was, it was like a, that kind of thing of Spike Jones, and uh, I, it was great. Because it was Ooh. such a good distillation. Like, I've bought CDs since then. Like, you know, like oh, I love Spike Jones. 
I'm going to buy this four CD set. <laughs> You're like 20 minutes in. It's like too much. Yep. Too much Spike Jones. But like a, a record like that is just the perfect amount. You know, like you get just the right amount. And it's like the best of, you know, of all his stuff. So, you know, you're pretty much guaranteed that it's all really good and not like full of obscure references or songs you don't know that are like apparently a hilarious takeoff on something. Would he Would he do like a lot of touring and whatnot yeah, back in the yeah. day? Yeah. Yeah. Spike Jones and the City Slickers. Yeah. And who would be like a okay? You, I mean, there's no reason you would know this, mm. but I'm gonna ask anyway. Yeah. So, what would be like an opening act for Spike Jones? Would they do like a straight music act to open, or would they have like also another like a comedian, or what would they what would they go with for 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 that? That's a good question because he did have like straight singers that sang with him, and so you kind of wonder if they would just use them as like an opening, mm. as a sort of a, or they just didn't have an yeah. Opening do you want to like do you want to get people laughing before you come up, or do you want we're the funny thing that yeah. comes up right after the singer, so you can't lose because, you know, the, all the digits have just been here and singing so far. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just curious. It was always weird to me I mean, when they would have uh, comedians before uh, musicians. That's weird. It is weird, but it, it it's no risk for the musician. No, like, but it's true. But it's, it just feels like, like Bobcat Goldthwait opening for Nirvana. That seems weird to me. Mm-hmm. That you, you know, like, what? <laughs> Like, what kind of show was that for him? Well, I, I can't feel, imagine it was good. No, but, I mean, they're going to boo anyway. Yeah. So it's like, have the screaming guy. You yeah, know, it's yeah. like, all right, what's this? It takes you back a little bit. Yeah, like, yeah. All right. Sure, this wasn't, hmm, all right, yeah. I don't like their music as much as Nirvana. Wait, wait, this is just a guy talking. All right, all right, yeah, I guess so. Here we go. But, like, when uh, they would have, you know, comedians opening for, like, Gladys Knight. You know, and be like that seems a strange thing. People weren't here for comedy; they're here for, you know, music. But if you then had a musician who was better than Gladys Knight, then it's a <laughs> rough day. For that's a... impossible, but okay. okay. But you know, if someone who's look a little more, a little more modern or something, mm-hmm. you know, the new up and coming talent, sure. And then you've got to come up and follow that. Mm-hmm. Not so good. But if you have, you know, a comedian. You know, uh, Pete, Bar- not Pete Barbuti, but like, you know, uh, Maurice LaMarche and his uh, many impressions, uh, you know, comes out and does his thing. Yeah, it's fine. You know, that was, you got a full show. People yeah. feel they got a full show. And, uh, and you know, there's no threat to this, to the star. Well, I feel like it makes more sense with Gladys Knight and the Pips because they're like a cabaret supper club. Oh, wait, are act. you including the Pips in this? I was just going with Gladys Knight. Okay. Well, so this is a show with the Pips as well. Cutting out the Pips, I can't right. understand it. That classic Fridays bit where the pips appeared just by themselves without Gladys Knight and did Midnight Train to Georgia. Yes. But they just did their part. Yep. Without, yeah, that's great. Anyway, by the way, the pips yeah. are how you grow more Gladys Knights. You just like <laughs> plant, but you got to plant them in autumn. Yeah. I know you think like spring. No, autumn. Really? And that's how you get a nice Gladys Knight uh, by summertime. <laughs> and then she can play the county fairs. But if you, you know, if you plant them in the springtime, she's going to be too young. Yeah. So I, that makes sense to me because she's like a supper club act. You know, like she's like a classy singer you know so a comedian makes sense in a separate club to me a comedian doesn't make sense in a in a concert setting though like someone like steve martin opening for like i don't know he did open for bands because his manager was like also a managed bands like the nitty-gritty dirt band and stuff like that so you know i imagine like steve martin opening for people like in an open air theater or open air like concert place like that would just like that's not a great place that's no setting to do humor Hello, hello, hello. My cat, cat, cat. Though it's interesting because Steve Martin's act back then uh, was kind of uh, almost a, not 
anti-comedy, but it was a flip on comedy mm-hmm. and uh, a parody of comedy. Sure. And his character was incredibly arrogant. Mm. So it almost feels like it would work better with him like opening for someone, you know, because yeah. it's like we shouldn't be arrogant. He's the opening act. Yeah. But like he's the most smug, arrogant guy, yeah, you know, true. who's like, all right, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just feel like the setting, it's not the act itself, it's just the setting is it doesn't seem to me like yeah. not conducive to, to comedy. Like it just feels like people being like, you know, be like being at the Sermon of the Mount. What did he say? What? I didn't catch the. And all the echoing and I think noise he said burn and... witches. Did he? <laughs> I don't know. Write that down. Yeah. Just write it down, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no one, no one knows what he said at the. Something about a cat. He's, he's so mad at his mother. <laughs> We're not sure. What? Okay. No, I just to see Martin bits. Oh, okay. All right. Cat one he did, and then. The... Oh, I was just thinking like Jesus on the mat, sermon oh, on the yeah. mountain. I was <laughs> like, when did Jesus mention he was so mad, mad at his mother and something about a cat? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just thinking of Steve Martin bits. I'm so mad at my mother. For some re- some reason, some silly reason. He's a uh, he is an interesting fella. He is an interesting fella. Like he he's someone who has been able to adjust and twist and change and uh, just figure things out as you went along. Like a good business person. <laughs> like yeah yeah. He just like so many different eras of like different types of Steve Martin. You know, very, very, very different. And and even like now, you just see him and just go, yeah, he's on his game. He's mm. sharp. Yeah. Well, he's there. And it's and it's just such a treat seeing him and Martin Short together. And, you know, they're having a good time. And then you go like, they were in the Three Amigos. <laughs> like that was a that was a billion years ago yeah. that they were in that together. And yet they're still together and they're still great. Uh, yeah. I don't, I mean, I, to me, personally speaking, I think, to me, Steve Martin like spent a long time in like a wasteland, trudging through cheaper by the dozen and Inspector Inspector Clouseau. Yeah, he did his family stuff. He did his um, uh, Eddie Murphy family films. Mm-hmm. You know, there was that uh, chunk of time. And Father of the Bride, I think, just stuff like that where it just felt like like oh, what happened to Steve though, Martin? <laughs> though, here's the thing about that. To me, it's like you got to you know you kind of look like oh, that's that's too bad for Eddie Murphy. He used to be edgy and all this kind of stuff, and yeah. it's too bad for Steve Martin. He used to be the cutting edge on that, and now he's doing these family films. Yeah, and it's like okay, and then years later, you're like, hey, wait a second, all those people that watch those family films grew up, and they really like him, and now he's like doing the funny stuff again. Yeah. Oh, and it looks like he grew up with them because he's now doing edgy stuff and they got older. Wait a minute. He got a new audience along the way. Yeah. Like, I'm sure that wasn't the plan. No, I'm sure it wasn't the plan. I think the plan was money. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, he still, you know, he still made LA story, which I think is a pretty good movie and Bowfinger, mm-hmm. which I think is a, a good film. But yeah, it just felt, felt kind of like he just sort of, I don't know. I mean, there maybe was... you get to the point and you don't need to work. So, why? Yeah, there was one. There was one interview he did with Arsenio Hall. I remember, and uh, Arsenio kind of turned on him, like he was like, you know, the, the old moral, the moral. Well, he was like he was Arsen, Arsenio turned on him as in like you know he wasn't hip. Like he said something, and then he got like sarcastically, you know, dismissed by Arsenio, mm. and uh, and then he was able to do like a pivot turn and get the audience back. But yeah. it was like, huh. And it just it, one thing. It just uh, made me kind of go, yeah. Arsenio's a bit of a dick, <laughs> uh, and uh, and 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 yeah. There's just times where like you know you're not the new thing. Mm-hmm. So what do you do when you're not the new yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you do old things like Father of the Bride. 
Yeah. Or or you're I mean also Robin Williams, you know. Mm. You know, he'd do edgy stuff and he'd do like some dark movies, but he'd also do, you know, very, very family stuff as well. Sure. Yeah. And uh, it builds an audience, and now they <laughs> like you. And they That's saw you. I have nothing. Ag- I have nothing against against them. But and tr- yeah. and and truly, you, you look at uh, you know, uh, you know the edgiest of comics like uh, Richard Pryor and George Carlin. Both of them had kids shows. Yeah, that's strange. It's very strange. Yeah, and well, obviously that later on, just the fact that Richard Pryor couldn't be in Blazing Saddles because he was considered too unreliable and would. Too controversial. But then after, yeah, after that was when he did Pryor's Place on on mm-hmm. NBC, you know, mm-hmm. thing with puppets. Yeah. yeah. When did uh, when? Okay, so the Richard Pryor show, his variety show with Edie McClure. Well, why do I remember it was Edie McClure? <laughs> uh, but you know where he did like the Star Wars sketch and the uh, and uh, what's it? Uh, yeah, oh yeah, tri- the, the, the trial, trial, the uh, mock, the kill like a mockingbird. Yeah, well. yeah, and that his variety show was mm-hmm. that after um, was that after Blazing Saddles? Because I think yes. Blazing Saddles, yeah. Yes. So okay, so you know, Blazing Saddles uh, was very early on for him. And it so at the very least, a TV him. network yeah. went. He's reliable enough. We're going to give him his own TV well, he's series. Popular enough that we we might be able to like corral him long enough to make some money off of him. Right. Yeah. And was this? And that feels like that was, if not exactly at the same time, it feels like it was before Saturday Night Live, or at least it feels like that's the kind of era. Uh. I guess what Saturday Night Live started about the same year. Seventy five, I think. Seventy five. So no, it would it would be about it would because Star Wars was seventy seven. So oh, that's a fair point. So yeah, that's hey, good uh, good logic there. You, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. It uh, Richard Pryor's show was nineteen seventy seven, uh, but he had been appearing. Uh, he had like a like famous appearance on like Saturday Night Live. Yes, yes, that was so popular that it really did turn things around for him. And then he went back into the back into the into Coventry for a while, and then the Silver Streak kind of pulled him back out of that. And then he went on that kind of Gene Wilder, that's the prior right. streak of movies with See No Evil, Hear No Evil, and uh, the Prison One, and whatever else. Stir Crazy, Stir Crazy, yeah, yeah. So I've not, I've never, I've never seen any of those. I've seen Silver Streak, but I've never watched Stir Crazy's. All right, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why, because I like both those people, so I don't know why. I think I, I, because they came out when I was a young snob is the truth so i don't know why yeah it's it's strange because obviously he wasn't in blazing saddles mm-hmm. but because gene wilder was i feel like that's part of that same kind yeah, of partnership probably true but it, it was definitely it was i'm sure that the they scenes. i'm sure they met on set and because i mean richard Pryor wrote the screen you know co-wrote the screenplay for that movie yeah stir crazy see no evil hear no evil and uh, silver streak yeah, those those were. Feels like they did more together, but I guess it not. does, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess not. Pryor had a lot of problems, and also the very strange uh, uh, Superman three film. Yeah, weird movie. That's a weird movie. It's a tonally weird movie. Yeah, that is a yeah that is a that is a director's problem. That movie <laughs> that is a blame the director for that movie movie. Yeah, it feels. Uh, it really does feel. Richard Lester, I believe, directed it. And Richard I just, Lester, you're right. Yeah. And I just feel like he. Was more interested in like having fun than he was in like putting together like a. I mean, even and I mean the problem with Superman and you'd say Richard Lester is like, you know, he had really not that much to do with with Superman one or two. Like a lot of those movies are, are, had already been shot by Richard Donner. Like he had done like the lion's share of the film filming. Right. Richard Lester was brought in as I don't even know why. Just I guess 
brought in to add a bit of humor to them. So a little girl could get slapped in the face and a person could fall from a great height. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I just, it's, um, it's puzzling to me why he gets so much credit for the, for the first two films. And then with the one that he really got to helm is that absolute disaster. And the tone of it is just a mess. Like it makes no sense at all. You know, to have, to go from Richard Pryor uh, falling from a building wearing skis. Yeah. And somehow surviving to having a woman encased in, and becoming a robot, basically. That was, that's really scary. Oh, scary. It's, it's really a scary. scary. Scene. Yeah. Like, and the thing about that, too. And a sad scene. Even though she's kind of a villain, it feels like, well, that's way too much punishment for what you've, for wanting to, like, take, steal pennies. Yeah. And, from from a, and for a movie that started with pure slapstick opening. Yeah, yeah. Like, just, uh, like, uh, Clark Kent not seeing that there's an open manhole and a guy sticking his head up and him just walking on the guy's head. <laughs> it's just like... Yes. Too much Richard Lester there, I think. Yeah. I, I, that's one of those... Sort of, well, you know, Clark Kent is just faking this, right? <laughs> so is that, is, that, is that the situation? Like, or is Clark just, like, unaware? Because yeah. he's really Superman. That's dangerous yeah. that he doesn't know he's... <laughs> You could snap a guy's neck. Yeah, like this yeah. is no good. Weird. Yeah, it's very, very. Oh, it's so fucking. Do you think strange. it feels like it? He would, but does Superman weigh more than a normal person? Yes, he does. Yeah, he weighs about seven hundred pounds. Really? Yeah, he's very dense. Okay. Yeah. So Lois has to be on top. Uh, I don't think he's got a penis. How do they have kids? Hmm. <laughs> okay. You know. It's one of his powers. Okay, I see. I don't know. I mean, you assume he does. Space But, uh, you know, look, he's an alien. Yeah. There could be a lot of business down sure, there that you don't true. know about. Hmm. I was th- Here's something I was thinking about Superman today. By the way, I always have to mention about Superman 3. Should have been a Brainiac movie. It, it was all set up. It felt like to be a Brainiac movie. Make it a Brainiac movie. Make R- Richard Pryor Brainiac. Make him, you know, a guy who needs money at the beginning. And then, like, he's a computer whiz. And somehow the computer takes part of him over. And then he's Brainiac. Yeah. That's interesting. He's the he's a really smart guy. And he's, uh, and he's going up against Superman. And then he, like, has a uh, turn and then uh, becomes a good guy at the end. Yeah, there you go. There's your movie. It's nice. <laughs> um, here's a weird thing about Superman. Yeah. Was his dad, uh, when he was testing the rocket, tested it twice. And he tested it first with uh, a monkey. Okay. Like a chimp? Yeah. A spa- you know, whatever the equivalent of a Kryptonian chimp is. Sure. And then his dog, Crypto. Okay. Because they were putting dogs into space and they were putting monkeys into space. Yeah. So yeah. it made sense for the stories in Superman. But this means like he, first of all, that he sent his like pet dog into space. So these are later, these are later iterations of the stories. Crypto? Yeah. Like it's not a Fleischer, or not Fleischer, um... Whatever their names are, <laughs> Jerry Siegel and, uh, and Schuster. Siegel and Schuster. That's not their period. Like the the stuff about dogs and chimps into space and stuff like that. That's a later. Uh, Crypto's first appearance was 1955. So that's before the space program. Uh, but they knew enough about the space program to know they're testing it on uh, on animals. Okay, for sure. Bep- okay. Let's go, uh, Beppo Superman. Sorry. But here's here's uh, my my thing about that. They all ended up. Uh, there you go. There's the there's Beppo the monkey. Yeah, Beppo uh, showed up in 1959. Oh, okay. He's so a super monkey. I guess that's around the time of Sputnik. Right. So so okay. So Jor El uh, yes. to test his rocket. Sure. And by the way, the Science Council doesn't notice the rockets going into space. Eh, that's a big surprise. Oh, is he doing this sneakily? He's sneakily doing this. Okay. You know, but he's sneaking rockets up in space. Yeah. <laughs> but like these animals aren't coming back. Right, they're so not? He, no, they're not. Okay, he's sending them off into space. They end up going to Earth, both of them. But like, 
so if Superman didn't end up like going to Earth, like if the planet blew up too soon or what have you, mm-hmm. what he's done is he sent two superpowered animals to Earth, yeah, including like a a, a, a chimp, a superpowered chimp that cannot be killed in any way, yeah, and now it's on and now it's on Earth. Yeah, that's awful. <laughs> nothing. No one would be able to do nothing yeah. to the to this chimp, and it would just like kill us all. Yeah. It could like kick the planet out of orbit. This monkey. Yeah. The dog could bite through anything. There's nothing you could do. But I'm especially thinking like the the chimp. You know what chimps do now, and we know so much about chimps. Yeah. Oh my God, what a nightmare. You know, it just was lucky Superman was there. Uh, and that when these uh, animals landed because of some sort of technical error, and he was able to like train them and help them. But if Superman wasn't there, holy shit, Jor-El, you can't send an invulnerable monkey that can like do anything yeah. to to Earth. Yeah. Did he intentionally send them to Earth, or was yeah. that just happened to test uh, to oh. test the uh, rocket to see if it would reach Earth? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Bit of a dick move. It really is a dick move, Jor-El. <laughs> Come on, Jor-El. that monkey could have like destroyed the world. <laughs> It's just a horror show. Yeah. Holy shit. And the dog. Yeah. I realize now that I'm more formal than you because I've always called him Mr. Jarrell. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I don't think they have misters on on the. They don't? No. Well, they don't have penises, so I guess you're right. And also, the women do not take the last name of the husband. Really? Because it's not Laura L. Yeah. It's just Laura. They have one name. But is They're all shares. Oh, so L is his last name? Yeah. How come it's hyphenated? It's the house of L. Oh, I see. Yeah, and uh, Supergirl's father is Zor-El. Okay. Yeah, they're also from the House of El. Hmm. Yeah, but so, her name is Kara, but not Kara. I don't think it's Kara-El. I don't think so. Yeah, that's yeah. Carol. Yeah, it's Carol. <laughs> just, I'm sure there is a Carol on the planet, because all the guys have sci-fi names, like Quarksel and whatever, and what have you, and then all the women are like Shirley and Madge. <laughs> it's, not, it's, L- it's Lara, but it's spelled L-A-R-A, so it's still... S- Still spacey, and and it's not really spelled that way because they have Kryptonian, you know, uh, letters. Oh, so she doesn't spell it in English. No, it just sounds like uh, Laura. I see. Yeah, Lara. You know what? It would be good is if, and I wish I wish you could do this. Is like uh, is to do the story of Superman, but do it with Robin Laura Petrie. Why? Well, because also because I, I picture like Laura, yeah, from to be look like Mary Tyler Moore. Oh, I see. And you could you could almost have her exactly like, oh, Jarrell, <laughs> and she's getting so upset about you know I don't want to send the baby into space. We gotta send it into space. The planet's gonna explode. Sounds <laughs> like it sounds like Elvin like Costello. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I don't want to send the baby into space. <laughs> Listen, we got to send the baby into space. Why do we? And then hope. Yeah, here's so here's what you're going to end up with if you screw this up. You're going to have a baby, a dog, and a monkey, all who are invulnerable <laughs> on Earth at the same time. Yeah, just causing yeah. chaos, like just, just busting mountains, <laughs> like just draining oceans. Setting everything on fire with sure. their heat vision? Sure. Break burn. Oh, it's awful. Yeah, it's just a mess. I mean, and here's the thing about that, too, is like, you could like maybe, you know, I don't know if he knew about gold kryptonite, but like, just ramp up a piece of, uh, you know, some, somehow get some gold kryptonite sent like afterwards, and then like takes their powers away. What oh, is it? Well, yeah, forever. Yeah. But so, did he know that? 
Yeah, he probably. He probably wouldn't know because isn't it like the result of the yeah, explosion? Yeah, it's a planet. Yeah, it's parts of the planet. Mm. Yeah, it's too bad. Like it feels like just come up with a oh, just Jor-El is bad. Here's the other thing about Jor-El. <laughs> okay, now that we're bad mouthing this guy. Yeah, now that we're bad mouthing Jor-El, is Jor-El's a science guy. Okay. Uh, they uh, magic really affects Superman badly, and my theory about that is because they just banned magic on. Uh, uh, but because magic exists yeah, in this world, sure. but they banned it clearly. They banned it. Uh, They're like China. Yes, they are. Yeah. Like Krypton is like China, exactly. Who knows this? If uh, people see uh, something and it says "Made in Krypton" on yeah. it, and they go like, "Oof, okay, well, <laughs> it's fine. It's inexpensive, but I don't know. It might have some lead in it." And it's like, "Why to stop the cri- the kryptonite?" Um, but uh, he 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 invents the Phantom Zone, and he's he's a Jarell invents Jarell invents the Phantom yeah. Zone. He like opens up like a hole into like this other dimension, yeah. and throws people in there, and that's their prison. And it's like, dude. You found like a, a doorway to hell. That's what you did, and like you just you're throwing people into hell. Yeah, and like you're the good guy. You're the like ugh. You're awful. You're a terrible person. Put them in jail. What was wrong with jail? Yeah, jail's fine. Just just make a better jail. Don't like uh, put them all in a mirror and send them into space. That's well, they're all screaming. You sick fuck. <laughs> Isn't it implied that he that he corrupted people in 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 jail and escaped? Okay. Is that not part of the story? Yeah, what do we do when that happens? Put him in better jail. (laughs) That was the flaw of the jail. That's what the Phantom Zone is, isn't it? Better jail? No, it's it's torture. They're all screaming. They're in a mirror and they're flipping around. Or if they're in the comic, then... I thought they were just upset that they got sent to prison. Oh, you think they were just upset? Yeah. (laughs) I doesn't feel like they're screaming. It's kind of like... When the the giant... Well, first of all, here's the thing. Yeah. So you're going to have a trial for these guys. Yeah. Be in the room. Don't be like floating heads. Don't be giant floating heads going, you have sinned against us. Like, that's just you being a dick. <laughs> and then then you open up the, the roof and have uh, the floaty uh, mirror come and they're all screaming as they go on. No, that's not they're upset. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember it. Yeah, that's, that's you're the bad guys. Yeah. I don't know what they did, but yeah. it probably wasn't as bad as that. Mm. You jerks. You're a bunch of jerks. Then listen to Jorel about the whole planet exploding. Knobs. But isn't it Jorel who sentences them to the Phantom He's Zone? the final vote. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's the, it was a split vote. And they're all be- begging him for mercy, and uh, and uh, and he's like, nope. And <laughs> sends them all into space. <laughs> and also you kind of go like, hey, you've got access to another dimension where uh, you know people can uh, survive. Oh, and your planet's blown up. I've got an idea. Maybe that's where they go. Maybe that's where the people go. Maybe you don't need a rocket into space because there's another dimension yeah. where you could survive. It's like a pocket pocket dimension. A you pocket go, dimension go that hide you can survive. Yeah. Until you find another planet, maybe, or something, or figure something out. But yeah. no. None of that. It's a jerk. <laughs> Jarrell's a jerk. <laughs> well, I mean, he couldn't see the future. I don't know if that's really... Couldn't he? <laughs> I'm sure there's a story where he did. <laughs> Probably, yes. Very probably. Later on, they made uh, <laughs> Laura a spy, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, she was like, uh, she worked for like Kryptonians, you know, government spy yeah. things. Then just she, to give her like some character. Yeah. Then she went to the house of love. Yeah. Because like, you know, what's she, what's she a housewife? What is she cleaning up the place? Like, yeah. it's all made of diamond. What is she like constantly <laughs> just version? wiping it down? Which version is this? Yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking the Brando one. I hated that, that design, that art direction. Okay. I really didn't like that idea. 
I still don't. Did you prefer the Man of Steel version? Where there was like flying dinosaurs and uh, Terrell was flying around? <laughs> no, that was also dumb. Like it was a Morbius. Man uh, of Steel thing. makes it, you're looking at it like, how did anyone live on this world? Like it looks so uncomfortable. Yeah. Like didn't they like build something nice to live in? Are they living in caves? Is this good yeah, enough? Yeah, it's good enough. The original kind of description of Krypton was, you know, it was just like, it was really just a nice city, yeah. you know, or like, I mean, it's a nice planet, but we it's, only saw a city. Yeah. And, and it's like, oh yeah, and everyone's really strong. And they can jump over things and get... Th- and oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. Sounds like a fun planet. Great. And like, how did they get strong? And then they explain to you how you can get as strong as Superman. And it's very simple. Okay. Did you ever see that? No. All you do is lift a little more weight every day. Oh. Yeah. So like, you just uh, lift a little more every day, and yeah. a little more every day, and a little more every day, and soon you can lift a couch over your head. No problem. <laughs> That's simple. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the... It's infinite. You you get infinite strength if you just lift a little more every day. Why don't you? Makes sense. It feels like in Superman that the design is more influenced by the... That it's going to be in the Arctic. Like it's going to be by the North Pole or wherever, the, wherever it is. Right. It feels like that that's their kind of cue to how they designed. Like that the snow is going to crystallize into this design. And I guess if they kind of gone with that, it would make some sense, I suppose. But But yeah, like... The idea, like the super advanced culture living in like a bunch of ugly caves <laughs> in the, the Battle of Silver, just seems so dumb. Like it's just, it's, well, it's dumb. I can't yeah. say anything more than that. It's, yeah, you're not it's, wrong. It's a dumb idea. Like if you're gonna, yeah, like, yeah. If you look at like the old drawings of it, it is like it's kind of like a Buck Rogers or Flash Gordon style city that they would visit, you know. And that's basically obviously the in- inspiration for that for the drawings, or they just kind of cri- crib them from what people who are drew flash gordon or whatever it's such a weird thing too in that names first, i can't remember now in that first there's so many things in alex this. raymond i guess was one yeah there's something there's so many things in that first superman movie that are also what like he's he's definitely a different guy than christopher reeve and uh, like his dad dies of a heart attack and he's like okay well gotta go get on with my life and uh he's got his uh one little uh icicle <laughs> and goes up to uh, goes up north and tosses the icicle yeah. and then it becomes the fortress of solitude how does he know to toss it Mm. Oh, okay, but he, t- he tosses it, and it becomes the Fortress of Solitude. Yeah, and then apparently, years later, he steps out of it, and he's Superman, and he's a different guy, and like he spent all this time with Jor El learning lessons. I'm like, yeah. what lessons? You were strong and fast, and all these things before. What did he teach you? <laughs> what was this all about? What was going on? Like your history? Yeah. Like what's the ma- years this took? <laughs> Your mom just lost her husband. Yeah, we did a first aid course. <laughs> wish I paid attention. <laughs> well, wish I you... took a lot of French, and I still don't know any. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they never really got into any of that stuff of just like, what did you learn? I mean, I'm, I mean, I assume, and it's this is different than the Man of Steel movie, where where Pa Kent is like this completely negative influence on him, and like just a monster. But I assume, like, the idea of like Mom Pa Kent is that that's where he gets his his like ethical stance yeah. from in his defense of the american way of life yeah <laughs> yeah just like you know just just, <coughs> just good people and uh so he like you know i mean i was like the idea this is this is my take on him is uh mm-hmm. that you know uh he was a refugee earth saved his life and now he spends his life returning the favor sure like i'm gonna re- i'm gonna save you because yeah. you saved me there you go that's a nice little emotional message but this one yeah 
just like goes off and then gears in the Arctic learning shit. Yeah. And uh, and then comes out with a, the, the costume and uh, and there you go. And the only thing that you really see like uh, Jor-El, that he remembers Jor-El said is, yeah. remember whatever you do, don't travel back in time. <laughs> I, I can't stress this enough. Do not travel back in time. End of movie. Travels back in time. Um. No consequences. Roll credits. The end. Dun, 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 I know you dun, won't be surprised, dun, dun, but I saw that movie dun, 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 one time, so... I remember enjoying that film quite a bit until the end. Why? It's, well, it's a, a good movie. Yeah. Like, it's a fun movie up until the end, but the end is... is It's it, it's not even that it goes against what, you know, his dad said, because I, I might not have remembered that when I saw it as a kid. It was more... That's not how time travel works. Like, if you spin the world backwards, you don't travel through time. You wreck the earth. You don't... Okay. Go backwards in time. I can give you a technical answer for that, which is like his whole thing was he was just traveling back in time. So you see the Earth go back because he's because time oh, okay. is going back because okay. he's traveling back in time. But how is he traveling so, back in time? Like just going fast? He's going faster than the speed of light, so he's going uh, back in time. That's not how it works. Or well, how does any of his powers work? How is he flying? <laughs> well, I mean that's really, sure. There you go. But it just seems like those ones are explicable because flying isn't like an impossible thing to to do. If you if you were like if you had that ability you could fly you know what right. I mean like but, but they do they do plant that seed earlier when Jor-El does go yeah and you must never travel back in time <laughs> okay so he can travel back in time yeah we've established that I guess and then he makes the choice to well he doesn't even have an ethical problem with it he's just no fuck this and then just flies <laughs> I don't care I really love her why do you love her when did you fall in love yeah, yeah when did that happen I missed it she was just insulting you through this whole thing she's you know that's what's so great about her character that's what I love I love Lois Lane in that movie it's, yeah this is great Marilla I mean you had a flirty scene where you looked at her underwear sure, which is well. you know okay oh. and saw yeah. that she hasn't got lung cancer yet which sure. is nice yeah and her sister's out of the picture so it's perfect what oh. was happening with his sister? Oh, Margot Kidder was in that movie Sisters, where the one sister's murderous. Oh, okay. Sister, anyway. I was thinking you were talking like about her Palma sister, film. Lucy Lane. I'm like, Lucy Lane dates Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> I'm sorry, no. Mine was, a, mine was a nerdy movie reference, not a nerdy comic reference. All right, very good. <laughs> sorry. Very good. Sorry to spin your head. Yeah. It was again, just... I would still like to see, uh, again, this is my silly fanfic. I would still like to see Superman's college years, where he was dating a mermaid that he didn't know was a mermaid. But it was just like a, a girl who was in a wheelchair, and he fell in love with her. And you know, he would not yeah. he would not violate her privacy. No, not at by all. like looking at her legs. But then something happened where no, that would be gross. Well, yeah, he's not going to like take a glance because he's Superman. He's yeah, a yeah. Dec- decent fella. Sure. Also, you know, good on him. Like he's just you know, not that it's a big deal to date someone in a wheelchair. But for Superman, it's like yeah. not an issue at all. Who cares? And so and, you know, he's maybe just, he knew. What? That she was a mermaid? Yeah. No, he did not know she was a mermaid. He did not know he was. Surprised. No, that was a big. Like, <laughs> you got to have a scene where, uh, you know, Superman's like, huh, mermaid. Yeah. Wait, have we established any of this in this world that there's mermaids? <laughs> like, that's not a thing, right? And then, uh, yeah, he falls in love with her. And uh, I'm not sure why they break up. I think it's because she has to go back to Atlantis. Sure. Do Atlantis stuff. That's what, how it works, Atlantis. Again, my fan fiction, though, on this is... Okay. Because we've got that time travel thing, right? Yeah. Is uh, she ends up getting pregnant. I knew sex would be involved in this. Right. So she... Because it's college. <laughs> yeah. So she ends up getting pregnant. Okay. And now uh, uh, she knows that, you know, if uh, if anyone knows that, you know, she had a baby with Superman... Yeah. 
that they're going to try and kill this baby because this baby is, you know, going to have all these powers and whatnot. And she's like, wants to protect the baby. And so uh, one of the Atlanteans, he goes, listen, I can send the baby back in time. Yeah. And it'll be safe then. And uh, it's like, okay, we'll do that. And sends the baby back. And that's Aquaman. Hmm. Because he can breathe underwater. Yeah. He can do all this stuff with fish. Stronger than any other Atlanta. Okay. Why? He's Superman's fucking son. Okay. That's how the deal... That's that's what goes on there. All right. <laughs> do you remember the uh, what they were going to do with Wonder Woman originally uh, in the uh, the new movies? Oh, the movies? Yeah. Was, uh, they, it wasn't going to be gods. It was going to be they were Kryptonians. They were I like see. they were like an early, uh, you know, um, early uh, adopters, uh, early adopters. But you no, know, early conquerors that showed up. But they they didn't want to conquer Earth, and so they just set up on this island. And so yeah, they're just Kryptonians that have okay. like uh, been there for all for all these years. And so Wonder Woman's also a Kryptonian. And they said and they made up this like thing about no, it was the gods that did it, but there's no gods. Yeah, they're just you're just Kryptonians. Uh. I guess that's okay. I don't know. I just feel like you're just making your your universe narrower and narrower. It's, it's all centered around one person. Yeah. This feels like, eh. I mean, again, this is just going down nerd holes, cause, but what the hell? <laughs> I'm going to do this until uh, you fall asleep, and I think I can make it happen. <laughs> um, is uh, I liked in uh, Batman v Superman where uh, he was like shocked that aliens existed and you know uh all, all this stuff and it's like well we must we got to kill them if uh, they exist because they got too much power and then he meets in the last couple of seconds wonder woman learns that gods are real yeah. and has no problem with that like what's your who's your father zeus yeah you mean he's real yeah all the gods were real hmm yeah okay we should work together Excuse me? You've got no issues. Yeah. The, your world hasn't just cracked open <laughs> by knowing that, like, your religion was wrong. It just, this is the, it just added to his to-do list. Yeah. You know, it's kill Superman, destroy gods. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Well, they're all basically dead except for... I think she's the last. What about that? What, what, what about... Uh, Ares? Ares. Yeah. He was the only one that, like, stuck it out and he was gone by the... Oh, she way. killed him? Yeah. She killed Ares. I believe so. Isn't okay. that how the Wonder Woman movie I, ends? Couldn't tell you. And that movie takes place in World War One. So by the time she meets uh, she meets uh, Bruce, uh, yeah. it's long since gone. Yeah. Well, first of all, she kills the wrong guy, and there's no consequences, and no one cares. <laughs> and once again, uh, read your own script. It's, it's war. Yeah, so you can kill the wrong guy, sure. and it's fine. War I don't hell. think that's how war works. War is hell. Yeah, but war has, you know... Uh, anyway, there we go. Um, no, I'm not defending that either. I think it's uh, ridiculous. I'm on record. Thank you for being on record. I'm on record with, on that. But um, I think they made a mistake by not having the last name of the guy who played Ari, or the, you know, the actor, but the uh, character uh, being Harris. So it'd be Harris Harris? Well, no, <laughs> Ares is like... Harris is like a, ver- like a version of Ares. Oh, okay. That he can right. be in our world as, you know, Mr. Harris, but we don't know that he actually is Ares. Oh, okay. You know. Well, my wife has uh, the last name War, so it could have been Gera as well. Okay. It could go that way. Sure. Just or just War, Mr. War. Hey, Mr. War. Yeah. And then uh, and then she still doesn't get that, and it's like yeah, <laughs> it's she's so not. obvious. Yeah. <laughs> Does not get it at all. You've now got also yeah. you got her like. If you go with the comics version of it, she has the power. She has the strength of Hercules, 
the the deal in the comic was uh, that uh, the gods looked down on her, and Aphrodite went, "I will give her my beauty," and Hercules went, "I'll give her my strength," yeah. and Zeus went, "I'll give her uh, something else." I'll give her I'm not Zeus, <laughs> a baby. Some, I'll give her a baby. Uh, Mercury went, "I'll give her my speed." I'll visit her as a swan. <laughs> yeah, you'll see. You'll see what happens. Uh, but then Shazam, Captain Marvel, yeah. same deal. He's got the strength of uh, Hercules. He's got the speed of Mercury. Yeah, yeah. So whatever they do, they should have like the exact amount of uh, the same amount of strength. Okay, I think. So it's like a totally even matched fight if they had a fight? Yeah, you could do two ways about it. One, you do it that way and go like you're both evenly matched because you both got the strength of Hercules. Yeah. Or oh, wait, what? you could do this, which is like if Wonder Woman's using the You have the, the wisdom of Hercules. That's right. The strength of Solomon. <laughs> That's right. You mix it all up. Uh, but uh, you could do a thing where like if Wonder Woman is using her strength, yeah. all of a sudden uh, Captain Marvel, Shazam, is, uh, is weak. And it's like, why am I so weak? It's like, because someone else is using the Hercules strength. Oh, okay. There's a limited amount to tap into. And like she's trying to like just go speedy out of a place. Yeah. And, uh, and he's using the speed right then. And it's like, why am I like molasses? And it's like, because there's a limited amount and he is now tapping into it. And that's where you go. Sure. Um, I was going to say something. I can't remember what it was now. Sure. Was it, was it clever? No. Was it funny? Not even. Interesting? Insightful? No. no. All right. None of those things. There's this uh, mere space filling, most likely. That's all right. So that's what I'm good for here. That's what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. Fill time in between you making jokes. How uh, how much of uh, actual outer space do you think, like, the planets and stuff are just filler? Like, this is just filler. This asteroids are just filler. This planet's just filler. Doesn't matter. That star, that's filler. We just need something there. Otherwise, it'd be weird. Yeah, isn't that dark matter, though? Isn't that the filler? Sure. All right. Everything else has some sort of purpose, I guess. Or at least it's the off the product of some some sort of purpose. I confuse dark matter with antimatter, so I don't know nothing. I think they're different. They are different. Oh, okay. Very different. If you touch uh, matter to antimatter, uh, kaboom. Okay. They destroy each other. Yeah. I don't know what happens with dark matter. Or to a two matter. <laughs> Why would you even? That's a golf one. I guess I deserve a golf. That's golf all right. Close. Thank you. It's a golf one. Thank you, everyone. Right, I'm going to take down my picture of Beppo that I've had up this whole time. <laughs> You love Beppo. What uh, and what uh, team is Beppo on? Um, team. Uh, he's on the Merck Brothers. He is on the Legion of Super Pets. Oh, Legion of Super Pets. Is oh. that is he in the new movie? No, no. They went with a different uh, Legion of Super Pets. Really? So there's no horse. Nope. No dog. There's a dog. There, there is a dog. Ace the Bat Hound is 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 in it. <laughs> Is, so Ace of Hound is an actual super, super dog, like super, the dog from the comics? I think they give him powers uh, in this, but he's Batman's dog, yeah. Okay, so he shouldn't have powers, he should just be wealthy. That's right, he's very, he's, he's, a, he's a rich bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he's uh, top five in Fortune 500's pet category, gold boners. Yeah. Yeah. And Robin's got an actual Robin. He's got like a little Robin that he sent <laughs> off to fight crime. It's, it's too so on the nose yeah. and really ineffe- really ineffective. I guess like Robin. That or Robin just has an egg. Yeah. And Robin like and it's not quite hatched yet. <laughs> but then finally he does throw it down and a dinosaur comes out and it's like really cool. It's the Joker's egg. But the original uh, Legion of Super Pets was yeah. Comet the Superhorse. Okay. Who technically isn't a horse. Or um, a comet. Or a comet and Streaky the Super Cat. Technically a cat or not a cat? Technically a cat. Very much a cat. Okay. Yeah, but not from Krypton. Oh, it's not. Streaky's not from Krypton. Nope. Streaky's got uh, their own uh, uh, thing. Oh, oh, uh, oh, man. There's, oh, geez. There's a lot. (laughs) Okay. So this is, I'm just going to go through the the list of the super pets. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. Uh, Okay. 
So uh, there's uh, Crypto, Super Dog, Streaky the Super Cat, Beppo yep. the Super Monkey, Comet yep. the Super Horse, yep. Chip, who is a Green Lantern. Um, he is a, a Green Lantern. He's a Green Lantern and a Chipmunk. He, so he's, oh, sorry. I thought you meant he's an actual Lantern, but no, he's a, he's a member of the Green Lantern Corps. That's correct. And also a Chipmunk. He is also he is also a a, chi- a chipmunk. Uh, there's a it looks like there's a budgie. I think it's called budgie. Uh, Prody two. Prody Prody two, yeah. which is like kind of a glob. He's like a, okay. a white glob. That's not a pet. No one has that as a pet. Like I can see the other ones as being like pet like, and then they they resemble pets that we have in our world. Well, if I'm getting this right, the original Prody, yeah. who was kind of a schmoo who let himself go. <laughs> okay. Who melted. Left it was a yeah. schmoo you left in a hot car sure. for too long. So different than the schmoo who had the little mustache. Yes. Cuz he kind of let himself go as well. Yeah, he was yeah, he's kind he was of, more of a hobo. He was creepy. Hobo yeah, he was hobo schmoo. Um so Prody uh when uh, in the Legion of Superheroes Lightning Lad died. Yeah. Uh we found out that it wasn't Lightning Lad. It wasn't much him. later. It was Prody who had uh, changed himself to look like Lightning Lad and that was who uh who, okay. who died. Uh though Lightning Lad did get his arm torn off and uh and was replaced by a metal arm. Uh other members. <laughs> uh Detective Chimp. Yeah. Who was detective who was a chimp. <laughs> uh, Solovar, once again, not a pet, but anyhow, is a is an ape. Uh, uh, not ter- a pet. The terrific what's it? Okay, which was a um, a turtle. Okay. that dressed like the Flash. Uh, Jumpa, a turtle can be a pet. That's true. Jumpa the Kanga, not a pet, which is Wonder Woman's pet kangaroo. <laughs> Why does she have a pet kangaroo? Is her island located near Australia? Well, they have. That's how they travel around in Paradise Island. They have kangaroos. They have kangaroos. Yeah, they uh, they, they ride kangaroos. They, they don't go in the pouches. They they ride on the back they, of giant oh, they, kangaroos. I thought, I thought they pulled them around in a chariot, but no, they ride on the back of them. That sounds terrible. Yeah, I was disappointed in the Wonder Woman movie. There was no kangaroos. I am uh, thankful. Hoppy the Marvel Bunny. Okay. Talky Tawny. A tiger, not a pet. Although I loved I love Talky Tawny. Me too. Uh, Wonder Dog from uh, from uh, Super Friends. I don't love Talkie Tawny from uh, Jeff Smith's version of Shazam. Why is that? I love the Talkie Tawny from the old comics where he's like a pipe smoking um, tiger who's written his, his uh, autobiography. <laughs> you know, like he's gone on a book tour. Yeah, and he wears like a smoking jacket, and yeah, this is great. I just love I love the idea of like fifties dad tiger like living in like a you know in his uh, ranch house. And that's just great. Yeah, he would discuss sometimes eating people though, which was good. Back well, yeah, in the but he'd be interested in that. Yeah, I mean, he's still he's a tiger. He's a tiger. Yeah, yeah. Of course, he's going to be. Yeah, interested he's a tiger. I mean, he's, blame a tiger for wanting to he's eat. He's civilized. Yeah, he's given up those ways. But like a smoker. Yeah, he still likes to smell. Speaking of which, yeah, yeah. we got some yeah, some of that coming in the window, right? <laughs> like a smoker, he he's he likes to like like if I if I had smoked in my life and I quit, sure, smelling the smell of smoke, which. As a non-smoker, is repugnant. It smells like Vancouver smoke. Oh, that kind of it's the, ugh, I don't. I don't like the smell anytime. But, but um, if uh, if I was had been a smoker and I smelled the smell of someone smoking a cigarette, I would like that smell. I'd be like, oh, that smells so good. Mm-hmm. I know this because I I know ex-smokers and they always say that kind of thing when they smell smoke. They're like, oh man, that smells so good. I do like the smell of a pipe, but I've never. Smoked I like a the pipe. smell of a pipe because it's it's sort of comforting because my uncle smoked a pipe. Yeah, I had a next door neighbor that smoked a pipe. Yeah. That was nice. So that has a comforting smell to me. But cigarettes, I find kind of overpowering. <laughs> and and when people like light a cigarette in a movie, 
I can smell it in my my sense memory. Same here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it hurts my throat. I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy seeing smoking in movies. But anyway, um, what were we talking about? Oh, we're talking about uh, Takitani. Yep. Yeah, I think Takitani, like, you know, he doesn't smoke anymore. He doesn't eat, eat people anymore. But just, you know, if he met a tiger eating a person, he would be very, he'd think that was very good. And be like, oh, man, I remember when I used to eat people. That was so good. Yeah. I don't do it anymore, though, but, oh. Smells so good. Yeah, that's a lot like the tiger from um, Wizard of Oz as well, who would always be talking about, and has never eaten a yeah, person. Yeah. But I always think Talkie Tony was inspired by that. Yeah, was always talking about like how, oh, I'd love to eat a baby. Could you imagine how <laughs> delicious babies are? Oh, I could just go for a baby right now. <laughs> I never read. I never read anything of, of Wizard of Ozzy. I found I I found a collection of three stories, three books in one. But they're not like in sequence. But anyway, they seem they thematically related or something. So I, I plan to read those. But. I'm going to burn through this real fast okay. and then let's talk Oz. Okay. Um, Rex the Wonder uh, Dog, Ace the Bat Hound, yeah. uh, Flexi the Plastic Bird, who I'm assuming what? is Plastic Man's Bird. Okay. And Bat Cow. Not a pet. Bat Cow isn't a pet? pet. Okay. Cows aren't Fair pets. Enough. All right. Looking uh, animals. Talking about Oz for a second here. Why are we going to talk about Oz? Because you just were bringing up like Oz. Well, I have. I read. It, I brought up that I don't know it very well because I've never read it. I mean, mm-hmm. I know the movie. I watched Return to Oz with you. Okay. You rented it and we watched it together. Okay. And we were both dumbfounded. Yeah. Because it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's I, good. I think I'd read the good, uh, books it's... before then, okay. so I kind of got you know who's what was who going and who's on. what. Yeah. But yeah, the first time I like read uh, Ozma of Oz, mm. uh, it was just like, oh, what's going on here? Oh my god! Like it was just this incredible <laughs> world of just yeah. like all these bizarre characters, and it was loosely tied to the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Uh, but it was like, whoa, this is really really interesting. I didn't get into all the Oz books sure. and go completely okay. down the line. Yeah, yeah. But it still was like fascinating to me. I'm curious. So is I don't know if you can answer this question, but is The Wizard of Oz a distillation of different books, or is it... That was the first book. It's the first book. I believe so, yeah. So it follows it pretty closely, besides having movie magic Yeah, the first was The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. I Uh, mean, they could use a title. Yeah, and I think yeah, I think that was pretty uh, pretty straightforward. Yeah, generally they changed it to the Wizard of Oz because no movie, no cinema would ha- would have had that many W's in it. It's a collection <laughs> of movie letters for the uh, yeah. It's very. It's I'm looking at the plot here. It's very close. It's mm. very close to that story. Okay. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember that scene. Sorry, uh, like Toto goes flying out of the uh, house during the the tornado. Okay. The cyclone. Yeah. And uh, she grabs him by the ear. And saves his life. Oh, that would have been that would have been good in the movie too. Yep. Yeah, Toto kind of gets forgotten. Yeah. Uh, in in the thing, uh, and yeah, the the uh, the only big difference there is the sh- the shoes are silver. Yeah, that's right. It it wraps up the same way. But then the uh, the next book, you know, she ends up going back, and uh, it's all real. It wasn't a dream, and uh, and yeah, you get really get uh, deep into this world. <laughs> Oh, and uh, the w- Wicked Witch of the West has a telescopic eye. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. And she sends a pack of wolves to tear him to pieces at one point. I remember that scene. But uh, the Tin Woodsman just slaughters those wolves with his axe. Chops them to bits. Uh, Lisa's dad uh, hates that movie. He saw it as a kid. And w- w- when he says he saw it as a kid, what, he, what he, he says is, I saw the faces of the people sitting behind me. Oh, and I went and I saw The Wizard of Oz. Just too scary? It's just too scary. You had to turn around in his okay. seat and look look away from it. Well, they did a thing. Yeah, it looks like here. It was scary. When we watched it as kids, Yeah, it was scary. It was scary. What but was scarier, though? The witch? Was the witch scarier? Or, or the flying monkey scarier? 
Flying Monkeys because they had the music. Yeah. The Flying they Monkeys were... The ba, ba, da, ba, yeah, da, yeah. The music would... Tr- and also, tr- they tr- just looked... They looked horrifying. Would it be... Okay, so, if you had a scene in that movie where the Tin Woodsman chopped wolves up uh, that were coming to, like, uh, eat you... Yeah. That would have been scary. What if... <laughs> and this is also I mean, it book, may have not have been scary. It might have been more, like, heroic feeling. Like, kind of yeah, they did, they did this... They did the, you know, kind of obvious thing that they didn't do in the movie, which is, okay, what do each of these characters do... We're going to send something at them that they can then use their abilities. So, okay. uh, the witch also sent a, f- a flock of wild crows to peck their eyes out. Mm. And uh, the scarecrow kills them all by twisting all their necks. <laughs> uh, she then summons a swarm of black bees yes. to sting them. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they're killed while trying to sting the Tin Woodsman while the Scarecrow's straw oh. hides the others. She sends He's dozens lion. of her winky slaves to attack okay. them, but the lion stands firm and repels them. So, yeah. And then finally she uses the power of her golden cap to send the wing monkeys. I thought the Tin Woodsman got wolves. Yeah, the Woodsman, yeah, the woodsman got uh, So he gets wolves, wolves and bees? Yeah. What does the Cowardly Lion get? Cowardly Lion gets the slaves. Oh, the slaves. Yeah. And uh, he has to, like, uh, get his courage together and stand up against them. Okay. Uh, and then finally she uses her golden cap to summon the winged monkeys. And that's what captures captures them all. Okay. Yeah. Okay. She uh, cages the lion, scatters the straw of the scarecrow, and dents the woodsman so they can't move. And then uh, she, Dorothy is, his, is, is her slave, and that's where we, we get to in the movie, you know, where she's, uh. she's there. And then Tossy the water and bloop. Dumb, dumb ass having the water around. <laughs> someone has to mop the floor. Yeah, someone does. Not necessarily the witch. Yeah, there's a lot more murder in the books. There's a lot so. more killing. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, more of a killing time. I don't mean that people were killing time. I just mean it was just like... In this, <laughs> no, you're not wrong that it wasn't probably killing time as well. But there was also like a sense of like easy come, easy go to life in those days. So mm-hmm. it seemed that people had a very relaxed attitude. When you think of like when we were reading Tintin in the Congo and that scene of him hunting... And it's just like a pile of animal corpses, and it's horrifying to your to your modern mind and eye. And but to the time then, I guess people just read it and thought, "What an amusing thing that he killed so many animals." Yeah, <laughs> you look at it, you go, what a waste. Well, you had no context. What a waste of life. life. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're also like thinking, "This is a, this is a kid's book." Yeah. So we got to keep the kids entertained. Mm. Violence will do that. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Huh. Let's wring some crow necks. <laughs> <laughs> Like a snap. <laughs> there you go. I mean, it's one thing to have it as a, a brief description in a book because it just kind of flies by, right? I doubt he went into great detail of him wringing each crow's neck and mm, the sound it made. And I don't know. really, really, I don't know. I'd have oh. to take a look. Yeah, I just feel like it'd be a very brief thing, and it would move on from there. I can't imagine it being very detailed. Snap, but crack, I could be wrong. Crack, whack, yeah, <laughs> he took the the crow and carefully twisted its neck, its feathers. You know. Ruffled as he, you know, in this description, you feel like, oh, no, that'd be too much. I, I, I also want to do a story, and again, uh, you know, I'm just going to tell you all my fanfic ideas on this show, <laughs> um, where uh, Dorothy has to go back to Oz because they got the um, the uh, the things they wish for wrong. Because it was always strange to me, uh, not always strange to me, a couple of, uh, maybe a dozen years ago or more, I came up with this, which was like, oh, wait a second. So the one needs courage, yeah. but it's not the scarecrow? Because it feels like this is this is about fear and courage and bravery. Yeah. Well, there's a scarecrow here. It feels like the scarecrow is scared, so he can't scare others, and that's the thing. All right. Yeah. As like, uh, who's missing the heart? 
Well, it'll be the lion, lion-hearted. You mm. have to. You can only be a lion if you're lion-hearted. If you don't have the heart of a lion, you're not a true lion. You're a fake lion. Yeah. So that's the way that's got to go. Okay. And it's like, all right. And uh, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. They asked for the wrong things. Yeah. And maybe that was one of the witch's things. Was like, I'm going to do one spell that will just mix them up, so you'll never ask for the thing that you need. And you won't know that. And you're going to get the wrong thing. And that's going to screw you up. So it's later. And now that they've all gotten these things, the lion has gotten courage and the scarecrow has gotten brains. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. The scarecrow is actually scared. But now the scarecrow is very smart and a coward. And so he's made things dangerous in this world. What's the deal with the lion? Well, the lion has uh, courage, but he's got no heart. He's got no empathy. You know, he's uh, you know he's this uh, leader now that of of a uh, king of the jungle, but he's like a real bastard. Yeah. You know, because he's got this, and it's like, oh, okay. So they got to go and fix this up and give them each the thing that they need. Okay. And that's my uh, Oz fanfic. <laughs> Get when's on that. I don't know. Is it public domain yet? Who knows? Who knows? No. Yeah. I don't know either. No. There's there's no way you could. It would. It would be public domain. Some parts. Some parts of it. I mean, you couldn't use some... No, no, all parts of it. Well, not not anything that's like straight from the movie. Well, anything that was invented for the film would not be... Right. But anything that was taken from the books would be... It's kind of like with Pinocchio, like Jiminy Cricket. It could be copyrighted by Disney because he's Jiminy Cricket. But you can't... You could still use a cricket if you made a version of... Your own version of Pinocchio. Right. You just can call him Jiminy Cricket. You have to call him Jiminy Glick. <laughs> Oh, Dave. Oh, man. What the heck? Dave. Yes. The world of music. <laughs> it's a wonderful world. It's a wonderful world. Oh, wow. And yeah. I know we've been talking we've been for a talking little for bit. An hour and a half. Oh, I'll do a quick thing here just real quick yeah, yeah. just to update you on uh, what was going on yeah, uh, yeah. with me this Please. week. Sorry about was, that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, my mother-in-law was uh, went to the uh, ICU last week, mm-hmm. and she's uh, out of the ICU as of yesterday. So she's in uh, a worse room, and that's kind of how <laughs> hospitals work is yeah. you get in uh, shittier rooms and shittier yeah, rooms yeah. till you get to go. Yeah. So if you're in a worse room, excellent. Yeah. If your room is like, this is state-of-the-art. Not great, um, but yeah, she's in a she's in a worse room, which is nice because you know she can complain about that, but she doesn't. She's all right. Um, but yeah, generally she seems to be uh, doing uh, doing better. Uh, again, not not wanting to get into too many of her personal uh, details and and whatever, but things are on the good side of things. We're gonna have to convince her uh, to uh, get some things that uh, she probably won't want to get. Uh, I can tell you at least one of them is like a CPAP machine, so we got to do the convincing uh, on okay. that because it's you know. How come she doesn't want to do that? Um, uh, because it's uh, it's it's expensive. Oh, okay, well, it's a couple. Of, it's a couple of grand. Yeah, if not uh, at the very least a grand. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's the feeling of like, oh, that's what old women have, and that's what you know. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, so I'm, I, I've got I've got a pitch in my mind for her to uh, sell her on it. Okay. Uh, which is, you know, lots of energy, and uh, this is, uh, you know, you'll 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 have energy. You'll sleep through the night. I, I've I've been pitched on this, and uh, the because here's the thing about CPAP machines: uh, if someone thinks you have, if your doctor thinks you have sleep apnea, uh, the easiest way to get a, a sleep apnea test is go to a place that sells sleep apnea machines. Yeah, and they will give you the test for free, but then. You will need a sleep apnea machine. Like, no matter what, everyone is like, Yeah, well, you got mild sleep apnea. So I'd say you should probably get our top of the line machine. So I've <laughs> had the thing, but I think I can, I think I can get her with, uh, 
Yeah, and, you know, uh, you just lose weight on this thing. That's the thing, because, you know, if you're not sleeping through the night, you really do gain weight and da-da-da. I think that might be the thing that's the trigger thing that might be the, hmm? You know, you're going to sleep through the night. You're going to have yeah. lots of energy. You know, this is what, uh, you know, maybe the movie stars use to lose weight. Uh, it's like a day at the spa, basically. Yeah. And, yeah, so got to do a little pushy push on that. Cool. And then, yeah, it's, uh, you know, we're getting we're getting to, you know, the next steps, which are going to be, you know, real talk about how some things have to change. But it looks like, you know, some, some real talk are, from you or real talk from the doctors, real talk. Well, there's the doctors. But uh, once the doctors go away, yeah, then it's got to be real talk from the family. Yeah. Of like maintenance and what have mm-hmm. you. Otherwise, old habits come back. Mm. Uh, and uh, I don't think there's going to be any more smoking for for. I think that's gone away. Uh, but still, who knows? Because that's so so difficult uh, to to quit. But it's got to. And uh, and and yeah, you know, we'll see what uh, physical limitations are and and what have you. And like, yeah, there's just going to have to be some some hard conversations. And uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But as it is right now, uh, f- the difference between this today and a week ago is uh, night and day. Yeah, yeah. Because well, because because a week ago we were literally we're thinking we could lose her. Sure, sure. Yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, and and now it's the frustrating thing I think is is talking to her and uh, she just wants everything to go back to the way it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and <laughs> yeah, her, her. It's just like do you know what almost happened Mm -hmm. and and i i understand how to her she did sleep through a lot of it so she wasn't there for 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 that but like we have to like emphasize this is a second chance Mm -hmm. and this is in in a hospital that's what they're trying to give people and that's what everyone is like praying for and begging for and what have you there and it's like you got to know how precious it is to get a second chance and the second chance doesn't mean go back to the way things were. And it's it's tough because you want to go back to the way things were. That's what everyone wants. But uh, it's got to be it's got to be different. Uh, and uh, and yeah, it's just family patterns. You know how you've got like family members who no matter what will keep doing the same thing. Sure. You got you got to somehow get them out of that rut. Sorry. And it's and it's tough, especially when you're older. Yeah, especially it's been a lifelong. Yeah. thing and then you want them to change that that's pretty difficult yeah and uh and a lot of times with some habits you know especially addictive ones you know that's the at it's the addiction talking you know and they're kind of like oh i've always done this and i've been fine or you know oh it's not that big a deal or i want to you know i don't i wouldn't want to live a long life if i couldn't do blah 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 yeah you know things that comments like that they're just like don't make any sense yeah you know what? You want to pass away early? <laughs> what are you trying to say? Yeah, it's just like you know, yeah. if I can't live life like I'm 25, then just yeah. let me go. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, that's not what happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because to you know, to to us, literally, it was like you know, not just could we lose her, but mm-hmm. we could lose her as in just lose her mentally, as mm-hmm. in like you know, there could have if if she hadn't been in the ER when she passed out. You know, this could have been a lot of brain damage. Sure. And then, you know, that's also a situation. Yeah. And, you know, there was no, you know, information about what to do about that or any plans that she's made about that. Sure. So it's like, yeah, no, there's a lot of stuff. And it's not stuff anyone wants to talk about. But you got to talk about it. you got to decide, you know, what you're going to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and here's the real thing. It's just like when you when you see people, and I don't think of her as elderly, but like, when you see people who are elderly, almost every one of them is still 25 in their own mind. Of course. 
Yeah. And the and it's jarring to have to live like you're not. Yeah. You yeah. know, you're an independent 25-year-old mm-hmm. who, you know, is going to live forever. <laughs> and uh, and of course you are because what's the option? You've always lived. Yeah. And yeah. this is the way your brain's it's, always been. It's inconceivable that you wouldn't be alive. Yeah. Or that you will not be alive. And you're not going to live like an old person because you're not. Mm-hmm. You've seen old people. They're old. Yeah. You're you. Yeah. Yeah. So you've Although, got to, Mary, having worked in the home, you know there were there were people there who were waiting for death and were hoping for death, you know, which just seems weird. They weren't like actively like walking in front of buses and things like that, but you know, like when it came, it was going to be a welcome, uh, a welcome thing. I guess I can see if you know you'd lived your life where it's like, what are you going to do? Well, you grow up, you move out, you get married, you have kids. Yeah, they have kids, they have grandkids. Well, now you're an old person. Well, now it's your time to die. So yeah. Here we go. Yeah. This is the way the circle goes, and here we go. Sure. And so now it's time, and so there you are. I could see that, but... Oof. You're not into it. I'm not I'm not into it, man. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. I, but, I mean, we're not, we're not there yet in our life. Like, we're not at that point where everything is painful, or you're starting to forget things. Though, think you know, about when you're... Yeah, when you were, like, in your 20s, and think of what you thought mid 50s would be sure sure it's not this. i'm just saying mentally it's not cannot, you're not where yeah, you yeah. thought you would have been then or or yeah, watch yeah. a movie uh, sorry watch a tv show in the 70s where someone is like in their in their mid 50s <laughs> and go like huh i'm as old <laughs> are as, they really in their mid 50s I mean, yeah yeah well the actor who played all right here's an example it's like a coach on cheers okay he's the age he's the age we are like oh, in, wow. in 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 yeah, cheers yeah. that's we're coach age do you feel coach age? <laughs> well, not his look, not how he looked. He looked looked older. Yeah. yeah. That was that's that age and like, you know, Cliff was like in his 30s. He's about 20 years younger than us. Cliff Clavin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, what? That's not how you see yourself <laughs> mentally. It's it's a jarring thing. Well, people looked older then though, I think. Okay. Like the style yeah, the style made you look older, like having mustaches and, and people beards would start and off the dead with a bunch of lead uh, day with a bunch of lead flakes. Because <laughs> if you look at like hockey players in that time period, and you think those guys are like in their early twenties, like Dave Schultz or Bobby Clark <laughs> or Guy Lafleur and people like that, like it's hard to look at them and not have your child child childhood eye like looking at them as you looked at them as a child. You know yeah, what I mean? but still, those players to me they look old. They look older than yeah. than players now. Ivan Cornwallier, you know, like this. Like, Can you remember your dad when he was your age? Think of it like how old you'd be. No, I can't. I mean, like, like, um, you know, anyone you know who's close to you or that you've known a long time, their new their new look replaces their old look in your in your memory. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That's why when you see people see you, they go, "Oh, you don't look a day over." Or you don't look any. You still look the same as you looked in high school. You know. Yeah, the like, way the, I patently don't look the same as I looked in high school. Like that's just ridiculous. Right. But your memory of me is being up, constantly updated. So when you see me, you're like, oh, that's what how David looked when he was younger. Right. You know, and I do not look. I did not look like this. Believe me, yeah. I didn't. Yeah. So yeah, you're aging well. I made you pretty well. well. I just I don't. You know, no matter how, how well you're aging, if you put yourself against teenage self, if you put you next, and again, genetically, mm. you're a lot of the same stuff as your dad. If you put you next to your dad at the same age, yeah, I think it, you guys would not look the same age. I don't think you would. It would be weird to go like, yeah, we're we. If you said like, and we went to high school together, and like, no, you didn't. 
<laughs> I don't think I don't, that's the case at all. I know yeah. what my dad looked like at this age. And yeah. He did not look like me, you know. And may, and you know, I've got a clear, I've got a clear image, and I've got pictures and what have you. I'm like, no, no, that wasn't. It's a different look. It's definitely a different look. Yeah, well, you know, sure. not that I'm looking like you know super super young guy or anything, but it's a it is a very different look. But then it's weird thinking then that probably your dad had that mindset of you know a 25 year old or whatever that you know. My mom definitely did, and she told me that. She went like, yeah, in my head, I'm, I'm in my 20s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my mom said the same thing, that, you know, it's just that sudden, I'm still, I'm still 25. Like, yeah, why, you're still you. Why is my heart not working properly or whatever, you know? I'm yeah, still, yeah. This, is a, this is a mistake. And so anyway, that's what we're going to be dealing with, mm-hmm. is like someone who needs to get a bit more realistic, and don't we all? Someone who <laughs> needs to get a bit more realistic about, you know, uh, the consequences of uh, of the lifestyle. Of decision-making, yes. Yeah, and, you know, how much of that can you uh, get a person to change? We'll see. We'll see. But it's definitely been, you know, a week of a wake-up call. It's just been, oof. And then, yeah, it's all, and then, you know, again, in the, in the evenings, you know, you, you, uh, when, when you've done as much as you can do, yeah. uh, you know, you just collapse. It's just like, okay. You <laughs> yes. know, you try and get as much work done as you all can. Ten- all the tension. You're, yeah. Yeah. You're and then yeah. yeah. And like last, last night we came back from the regular hospital part, not the ICU for the yeah. first time. And we yeah. stopped off and got some Chinese food and, uh, and it was it was very good. Came home and then was sick as a dog all night. And uh, oh, it sounds I, like I you went to chop chopsticks and Sapperton. I went. To, yeah, I ordered uh, Chinese food poisoning, which I think was a big mistake. <laughs> oh, I'm a, I have an allergy to Chinese food poisoning. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, you should ask for it on the side then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have a side of MS. Jesus, what's this? It's like, oh my god. Um, but I'm wondering if it was like, yeah. if it was food poisoning or if it was just my body just going, mm. okay, yeah, yeah. you can actually relax a Could bit now. That, yeah. And it's that thing where like you always get a cold or the flu or whatever, mm. when you finally get like that little break and you can relax. And I was like, maybe, maybe it was, maybe it was that. Who knows? That restaurant mascot, hello toilet. <laughs> we got, it was funny. It was it was a situation, and I want to get to your music. I swear. No, that's fine. Uh, we're like we were like uh, uh, let's let's go to this one place because we thought that they might have dim sum, and that sounded like a good amount mm-hmm. of food. Sure. So we went there, and then they gave us like uh, a bunch of menus, uh-huh. n- neither of which seems like it's from the same restaurant as the other one. That's oh. just all of them. That's always the case when we go to like one of these restaurants, and it's just like, well, what? What this one's got pictures? Is this is this one for kids? Oh. And this one's this, and this mm. one's like got like the first thing that's on the menu is you know uh, a deluxe course for eight. I'm like, oh, okay, well we don't want that, but how much is it? Four hundred dollars? <laughs> well, that's not at all. What's happening? <laughs> and then we asked for like the, do you have dim sum? Oh yeah. And so they went and they got us another menu. It was a completely separate menu. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. It was just like all these different menus are just yeah. like I just need a menu coach to just like. Trim it down for me. Give me like, give me the highlight page. Just one highlight page of like all this kind. Of, and I know the first thing is going to be beef and broccoli. I know. And yes, I am a little insulted, but fine, fine. Just yeah, whatever. <laughs> but it, it was good until it made me sick as a dog. Uh, yeah. So it's half good. Yeah, it was. It was. You know. It was about an hour of like, hey, that was really good. Yeah. And then it was uh, an evening of, oh, sweet God. Yeah. It was good. It was good going one way. 
Uh, yeah, I hate those uh, picture menus in restaurants. Okay. I just, they're not helpful. They're not helpful. For one thing, I don't know what it is. Often the food doesn't look any good at all. Mm-hmm. So it's just like this picture of something that looks yeah, like Yeah, they didn't a, take a glam shot of it. Yeah, they yeah. just took it's, a picture. It feels like it's just like half shaded or something like that. Like it's just like, there's like no attempt to pretty it up or make it look like a commercial. Like, like when you look at a picture of a Big Mac, it looks great. Yeah. It's like the greatest looking burger you've ever seen in your life. When you get an actual Big Mac, it looks like someone ran over it with a truck. Yes. But that Big Mac you said the picture of wasn't made by teenagers. No, <laughs> that's part of it. And it has a few little tricks to make it. Yeah. They like pop. They're not allowed to change it. No, they're not. It's that's illegal. an interesting thing now. Yeah. They're not allowed to change it, but they can add, do like put little things like they'll put filler in the back. Yeah. To puff it up a little bit higher and stuff. You know, little tricks, but. But yeah, like that looks great. I mean, I don't little Botox in the bun. <laughs> the bun can't smile anymore, though. You can tell. Um, but you just wonder. You're like you know. You're trying to sell us on buying this mess of stuff on a plate. Like, shouldn't you like take the trouble to like make it look at least somewhat good? Yeah. It feel and then the other problem with it is then the the menu is about four hundred pages long. And so you're looking through it, and you've forgotten everything that was at the first 200 pages. You've forgotten. By the time you get to the back of it, and you're, you've gone through all the noodles and everything, and then you're looking at the fish stuff, and then you're, and you're like, oh, do they have meat here? Oh, no. I think that's in the other part. And you're flipping back, and, and, then, and then you go to order. You know, it's just like this mess. <laughs> Can I get, uh, okay, this, this, and then... Just say the number. Just say the number. I guess you have to write them down. Just say the number, yeah. Yeah. I'll have the 255 with... uh, And, like, God help you if you want to, like, have something removed. Oh, boy. Forget it. Forget it. Just go home. It was was good otherwise. Okay. Yeah. I was was quite quite happy with it. (laughs) But, but yeah, yeah, the three-menu thing. That's weird. Well, it's, like, it's not something that I've seen... It's levels. Is it? It's levels. It's like like a Paddington book. Okay. Not oh, Paddington, sorry, Rupert Bear book. All right, yeah. all right. Yeah. First one's very simple. Second one, a little more complicated. The third one is just all reading. But it's like you never go to an Italian restaurant and yeah. it's like, here's four menus <laughs> and they have nothing to do with each other. Go to town. Yeah. Spanish restaurant. It's Japanese restaurant. Yeah. Nothing. Uh, is, it because of the, is it because of the nature of Chinese restaurants in North America where there are two things? They're like traditional Chinese food, yeah. and then there's a North American Chinese for, food. Yeah, there's two one different for, things. One for us, it's like yeah, you know, it's chow mein, and then and then like they throw you one that has egg foo young on it, and then, then snicker at you in the back, you know, when you order it. But uh, maybe that's the maybe that's the thing. So one is like real food, and the other one is possibly North American. Yeah, it's like well, I guess I need a coach or something before I go to a restaurant. <laughs> I should just I should just like yeah, just ask. Do you want friends. like? Do you need to have like the two the pads where they hold up and then you punch them? Yeah, like you know, come on. I would like that. Put, put a little pepper on it, or whatever they say. Yeah, I don't know if they. There's a restaurant I want to go another, to. Another culinary terms. Put a little pepper on it. Yeah, a little pepper on it. Uh, that's the name of the restaurant. A little pepper on it. <laughs> um, I, I I do want to go to this uh, restaurant that we saw. This is a Japanese restaurant in town okay. that I know will not be good, but I still want to try. It's it. It's a Japanese out. restaurant. It's a Japanese restaurant. And Why I, do you, how do you know it won't be good? Um, okay. The vibe. So, uh, Third Dragon, Nina Matsumoto, used to work at a uh, Japanese restaurant where they had uh, boats float around. And it was like floating boats that would float around with sushi on it. Okay. And various uh, Ah, things. And then uh, you could like pick them yourself. Yeah. Or you could order from, from, say, a Nina Matsumoto. Dressed as a sailor. Yeah. She was dressed as Donald Duck. (laughs) Actually, if you dress as a sailor, you just look like a schoolgirl. 
Yeah, I guess so. That's just that's really weird. Damn. All right. Well, you know, that's something you can talk about with her, and I'm not going to go any farther <laughs> on that. Uh, but it was famous also, this restaurant, for like uh, the the food would stay on a long time. Okay. Like, there would be certain things that would go around like, yeah. oh, remember that? Yeah, I remember that from high school when the, that <laughs> was first put on this boat. Yeah. But it was a, it was an interesting novelty. Yeah. So it's since gone. But there is a mm. restaurant now where they will serve you the food on a bullet train. So you sit down. Okay. And there's a screen above you, and you order the food. Sure. You tap whatever you want. And then... Go by the number. Bullet train comes out with your food. Really you, fast? Really fast. Okay. And uh, you take your food, and then bullet train goes away. So it doesn't have that thing of the food is rotating around. Yeah. Though I do like that. And there's a place in Seattle that does that. that place is, in, in Portland that does that as well. Yeah, I, I do like that. Uh you know, they have to make the food look good because it's like you're, you are buying it with your eyes. It you're looks like, great. All these people breathing all over it. Well, it's covered in plastic. Uh, okay. Nothing's, nothing's open true. air, <laughs> especially not now. Yeah. But uh, I like the bullet train thing. But, like, I can't imagine that anything that's got, like, a bullet train as their gimmick. Yeah. They've, like, worked real, real hard on the, on yes. the food. Yes. They already think they've got a they've hit a they've home run. They've got a home run with, yeah. the, with yeah. a bullet train. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I do want to try that place. Okay. Yeah. Is it called In With a Bullet? Oh, I forget what it's called. Okay. I'll look it up while you uh, talk about music. <laughs> All right, let's uh, move to the top five, please. Now, this, now this of course is a uh, callback to the uh, the classic uh, uh, Sneaky Dragon show, uh, Sneaky Dragon Listening Party that you used to do with uh, with Mary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is a little uh, tribute nod uh, that you do every other episode. By the way, speaking of uh, shows you used to do, yeah. you used to do a show called Horse Mysteries, and now it's back again. That's true. All right. What, what are we up to now with uh, Horse Mysteries, the second season? Well, we only have one show out so far. Is that what you mean? Yeah. We have one episode out. One episode out. For season two. Very good. Uh, I hope people have listened to it. It's a fun It's a fun episode. I'll have to say this about it. I was, uh, I was a good host. All right. I was really happy with my hosting on that one. Often when it's over, I'm like, "Ugh, what a what a terrible job I did." But this oh. time, I, I was uh, um, just happy. And the sushi restaurant is called Sushi Aboard. Sushi Aboard. Sushi Aboard. That's correct. Mm. Yep. So your food is served on a bullet train. Yeah. Yep. It's over on Dem- Demon Street. Okay. All right. So this week, I decided to do. Um, it's the end of summer. Summer's over. Summer has been over for a little while, yeah. And so I thought it'd be fun to remember summer with uh, top five songs. Mm -hmm. Bug songs. Oh, okay. So this is bug music. This is bugs? I hate bug music. (laughs) Bugs. That's uh, a reference from the Flintstones. Anyone remember that? You don't? No, you're young. It's fine. In my head, I'm in my 20s. (laughs) Watching The Simpsons. That's right. Um, This is part one. Okay. It turns out there's a lot of songs. Oh, so we're doing uh, more bugs uh, next time. This is the larval stage, and it will uh, grow Not necessarily next time, but it's sometime. Oh, okay. We'll come back to it. But this time, we're going to do a bug song. One thing I liked about these songs is that it seems like all of them, not all of them necessarily, but most of them Mm -hmm. try to get like a bug sound in the the songs. (laughs) Okay. Like there's like a a drone to them, or there's the guitars have a kind of a buzz. And uh, or the people go buzz, but um, let's start with a, a band I esteem greatly. This is the Cramps. Okay, it's early song, early in their in their history from 1978. This is Human Fly. Mm-hmm. This came out on uh, Vengeance Records. This is a 45 that came out. Glow in the Dark 45. 
um, I was looking on, I was looking at, up about it on Discogs, and if you want to buy one of these 45s, uh, they're about $280 now. Oh, wow. For these records, it would have cost $2 okay. back in the 70s. But anyway, this is The Cramps with Human Fly. Six eyes, I got a garbage brain that's driving me insane. And I don't like a ride, so push that mess to the side. And baby, I won't care, cause baby, I don't scare. Cause I'm a reborn maggot using gym warfare. Right. Kind of reminded me a little of uh, Peter Gunn. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely rhythm. drawing from that time period. Yeah, I like for it, sure, yeah. for sure. Um, I don't Eric. I can't remember the real names. I know that his first name is <laughs> Eric. I can't remember the the for, the real name of of Poison Ivy. But I love that. I just love that. That was a time we've talked about it in the show before. And Lisa had the suggestion of what is your punk name. But I just love the the way that musicians would sort of remake themselves then, kind of like. Kind of like musicians did or singers did in the in the in the fifties sixties, but in those cases it was usually the agent or manager who would give them their new name. Particularly in England, where people became like Rory Storm and Billy Fury and other names like that, you know, that were evocative of wildness or rebelliousness or whatever. But their names were just like you know Fred Smith in reality, <laughs> but they would take on this persona right. as you know, and uh, and I just love that they became like Lux Interior. And poison ivy Rorschach, you know. So <laughs> that was their 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 you know their their alter egos, and also the fact that they they met each other as hippies going to university in California. He picked her up hitchhiking one day, and they became an item, and they were an item their whole lives until he passed away Aww. a couple of years ago. And they're just their their interests in life. They're both like avid record collectors and loved 
collecting records and even and both of them made a point of like collecting all of the sun records all the singles that had ever been made by sun oh, records wow. you know and they would just scour you know they lived for a while in in cleveland like in ohio they lived there for a while and they moved to new york, new york city when they became a band and they that, you know and i think when i was listening to this song the other thing i was thinking about listening to the song was like i remember the fuss they made when jesus and mary chain started as a band like just the noise the sound they had uh, which is very, you know, a lot of feedback and all this stuff. And I was listening to this and I was going like, well, if the Cramps were doing it like seven years before the Jesus and Mary Chain even existed. Like, do people not realize that? Or is it they forgot? <laughs> they probably forgot. Because m- music moves so fast sure, in sure. those days. And kind of like movies and TV and everything else, it just receded into your past. Yeah. You know, you you might have the singles, but you might not. You might have given them away or moved on from that. And it was a different generation that was listening to that, that you know, listening to uh, the cramps then would have been listening to Jesus and Mary Chain and getting all excited about it you know the music reviewers and stuff like that or the and the journalists would have moved on to other more grown up things and left rock and roll music to the to the to the youths because they just you know and so it's kind of interesting so but you know now that our memories are much longer and our pop cultures you know doesn't disappear it just continues to like grow like a barnacle and stuff that accumulates on it you know like it's a, a hull of a yeah. boat and there's like, you know, bulletin boards and whatever and mm-hmm. people talking about things mm-hmm. in a way that they wouldn't have back then that yeah. you wouldn't yeah. be able to regularly talk to people. No, I mean, even if like doing a fanzine, there was nothing lasting about it. It was all ephemeral to yeah. us. Like there's, you know, like it's... Like, to the benefit and the detriment. It really, like I don't even have like all the cassettes that we produced. Like I don't have like a complete collection of like... I don't have a complete collection of the comics I made. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Like it's just yeah. all ephemeral, right? Like we were just like. I have a neighbor thing. who was asking, like, "Oh, could I read them?" And like, I don't know, can you? <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. All right, next song, everybody. Uh, this is uh, the Flame and Lips from their seminal album, The Soft Bulletin, that came out in 1999. It kind of marked like a new, a new, a mark two version of the flaming lips so before this time they're kind of like a guitar rock band and then and well how do you describe them because really by saying that totally leaves out zarika however you pronounce it which was like the album that came out before this was a was a four cd set that was designed to be listened to simultaneously on four different listening oh okay so the idea was that you would gather together four ghetto blasters what are they they call them boombox boomboxes that's a better name a beach blaster, whatever you want to call it. Um, sure. You'd bring four of these together, put the CDs into it, start them simultaneously, and then they would play these four different mm. uh, CDs. And then what they wanted, though, was that because CD players actually don't all play at the same speed. Right. So they would go slightly out of sync as it went on, and you get different effects and stuff like that. And it would none, no, no listening experience would be the same. I... I don't own it. It seems like a lot of work. Like just getting it to listen to it, it seems like a lot of work. But it's an interesting idea. It feels like probably um, uh, if you went on YouTube or whatnot, someone would have done that and recorded it so that you could listen to the yeah. them all, different mixes of that. But I don't know if they would have. But I think they probably would have. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible it's you could listen rare. to it. very I've, rare. I've, I've searched for a song and it's not been there even if it was like really, really Yeah, obscure. it's true. It's a great, It's a great resource for that. There's always some nut who's yeah. <laughs> posted their something on online. Um, so yeah, so they did the soft bulletin and it, it, just a different way of producing their music and a different way of it sounding. And and they, they'd also added a guy named Stephen Drozd to the band who's like this 
crazy multi multi instrumentalist who could play like anything and be and was really good and was really um, you know just so so naturally musical. So before that, they were kind of like a noise band, you know, and there's albums like a priest driven in a priest driven ambulance or what is that one? Shock to the head. I can't remember what it's called now. But anyway, the, you know the kind of crazy names and they did have like a kind of a hit. She's got jelly around that time, but but this was like a whole new. Uh, the flaming lips, anyway. So it was a it was a really great album. So this is bugging from that album. It's okay, like a, a, rem- a remembrance of uh, summertime. Here we go, everyone. And we're back. 
Nice. Uh, it uh, was. Uh, I wrote down sweet and fun, and it reminded me of uh, Jeffrey Lewis. Are you familiar with yeah, Jeffrey Lewis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 singer. Uh, my wife uh, gave me uh, the song back when I was four once on one of my birthdays. When okay. I was feeling a little down, and I really loved that song. And uh, the tone to their singing reminded me. Okay. Of, uh, this. Yeah. Um, Wayne Coyne. Uh, who's the lead singer in the group he is uh has kind of a hoarse voice mm-hmm. he's not like a great singer like it's this song is, but it's very sincere like to me I like yeah it. yeah yeah like um the song about superman on that album is um it's a really like emotionally emotional song it's a weirdly emotional song yeah. um this voice his voice is very uh yeah it's very uh i'm a fan of imperfect voices and songs mm, i am too yeah, i yeah. am too yeah i am too there's something very human about it. Yeah, you know, I know, you know, uh, you know, once again, hey, I'm mentioning Woody Allen. Uh, sorry about that. Warning, I'm about to mention Woody Allen movies. <laughs> but like one of my favorite Woody Allen movies is uh, Everyone Says I Love You. Mm. And one of the reasons I like it is because it's uh, full of singers that don't sing. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, that really makes for a lot of sincerity. It and really, and uh, you don't want to say it's brave, but it's so it's so humanizing yeah. that they're so so vulnerable in, in, in those moments. Yeah. And it's a very good, yeah, it's a good movie. I mean, it's something like, you know, people make fun of karaoke nights, as they should. But uh, there's something about people just trying to sing their best. And they're not <laughs> professionals. And yeah. sometimes, like, a professional singer will come out there and just like, do, like, the whole thing. You can yeah. tell I'm a professional singer yeah. from that. Um, and they'll <laughs> really, really like, just take it to the next level. And yeah. you're like, eh. That's fine. It's too bad. I prefer the person who's yeah. singing, you know, uh, really sincerely and yeah. Uh, yeah, out of love for the song. Uh, yep, really, really likes "Like a Prayer" <laughs> or whatever. There, you know, that is one of the songs I sometimes sing uh, karaoke <laughs> We saw the Flaming Lips around this time, actually, Lisa and I. Speaking of glitter getting everywhere, and uh, <laughs> during the show, uh, Wayne Quinn fired a, a confetti gun over the audience, and my God, that confetti was in our house like months. Year a year later, you'd like move move a shoe or something like that, and confetti would be come fluttering down, and you'd be like, "Where? When does this stop coming?" <laughs> and that show was crazy because Stephen Drodd at that time, who was a, like a great musician, was also a, a raging heroin addict. Mm-hmm. So the opening act started like nine o'clock or finished around nine o'clock, I think actually, and then we waited three more hours for the band to come on stage. Oof. They didn't show up until midnight to play. And it was a good show, but it was just so long for it to get there. But anyway. It might have been a good time for you to try some heroin. <laughs> well, we're waiting. I've heard good things. <laughs> Nothing but good things. All right, let's move. Yeah, I've heard some bad things, but I'm not going to go that far. The other thing I noticed about a lot of these songs is they just sort of end suddenly. <laughs> yeah. Because it has like that sound, like there's the, the soundscape of insects, you know, the, the buzz, the hum or whatever, the sound of insects in the grass at summertime and that kind of sound. And then... And then when the when it um, you know it doesn't it yeah. can't it can't end it just has to like stop because there's no like fade of that you know yeah it's not how we experience it we go inside and the screen door closes and that's the last you hear of it or or you fall asleep at night and that's the last you hear of it uh, the next song is the Constantines this is our Can Con this is a group from oh, nice. Guelph Ontario the Can Con Constantines <laughs> the Can Constantines and um, this is from their fabulous second album China Late from 2003 this is Insectivora. Here we go.
I did enjoy it. The here's the thing that I'm uh, not a fan of in music, okay. and I'm a rare exception. Sure, of course. Is a song that starts one way and then just goes like into oh, the I next love that. thing. Yeah, oh, I'm glad you like. You must it. really hated grunge music because that's pretty uh, yeah, much the whole grunge. Thing. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> well, when I listen to a bunch of songs in a row, yeah, it does have that feeling to me. Like it feels like I'm looking at a recipe online. Yeah, and I'm like, I want to know how to make muffins. When I grew up as a little girl, yeah, I did this. I'm like, just get to the muffins. <laughs> And it's like, I just want to get to the, give me the hook. Because okay. the hook's going to kick in. Yeah. You know, but I'm waiting a minute for the hook. Mm. And I'm like, just get to the hook. Get to it. It's fine. But, you know, I know people like it and they like the twist. Yeah. But uh, it just feels, I'm not a big fan of the twist. And I like, well, and I like, uh, I like, I love song suites. I love 
songs that have like several parts to them. Yeah. And t- you know, so obviously you do not. Nope. I'm just like, get to the song. <laughs> but it is a song. <laughs> it is a song. The yep. song has started. I got you. I do love how they imitate the sound of uh, like insects with using the tambourine to make the sound. So that's really a kind of. I've been sending you a lot of Kate Hell albums. Yes. Yes. And and I I think maybe that ruined me as a kid. Because like I really like just listening to the commercials and just like oh this is the one part of the song that I really like. It's like you've been taking care of business. That's enough. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Got the whole song in my head. Fine. That's right. Sure. Yeah. No, that's not how it works for me. No. Um. Yeah. I actually interviewed uh, the the uh, lead singer for this group. Uh, Prove it. Prove Guitar it. Brian. Show me the cassette. <laughs> show me the uh, yeah show the dat the dat I recorded on I did record it on a not a dat I was on a mini disc mini disc player but um. I was where I learned the term rat drifting was from him. I don't know what that is. It's, a, it's an Ontario term for people who sneak through neighborhoods to get around traffic jams. Ah. So like drive down suburban streets and, you know. Okay, rat drifting. Rat drifting. That's a good name. Yeah, so Mary and I use it all the time. And <laughs> learned it from, I can't remember his name now, Brian something. But uh, yeah, he was a very nice guy. Because that was when Lisa and her friend were doing uh, the website Swank Trends. That okay. was like a very early on like media site. It was a really good idea. But they brought in a guy to do the design the site for for them, and he was really like super paranoid about like online spying and stuff like that. So he made their site really like difficult to like get to, which is sort of the wrong thing you do if you want to have like a site that's you know. So it was kind of fun for a while. Like we got like books to review and stuff from people from companies, and you know, sent to like record record release parties and things. But uh, yeah, anyway, rat drifting. If nothing else, you know, uh, on this show. Uh, you've learned that term, and so this is worthwhile. It's a great term. because right, rat drifting. Because you are like, like I know we're impatient and we want to keep moving, but you are like disturbing people's lives by cutting through their neighborhoods, like mm-hmm. kids playing hockey on the street. Yeah. Suddenly, instead of like being the normal amount of traffic, there's like all these cars just driving through endlessly, you know. You can't do nothing. It's not fun. So yeah, I know. I think it's a good term. Anyway, let's move on to our fourth, fourth song. Please do. This is a... Uh, Someone I played on Sneaky Dragon Listening Party, very obscure, and it was in, in relation to the singer uh, Judy Sill. But this is a guy named Tommy Peltier, or Pel- Pelter? I don't know. It's American, so they probably don't have their French pronunciation. <laughs> Peltier. And um, he was an interesting guy. He was a jazz cornetist, and he got into a... Something happened. I seem to remember like vaguely now that it was a fight, but something happened hmm. that he... His upper lip was damaged. Oh, shit. His embouchure was damaged, so he couldn't play the oh. trumpet anymore. And so he moved into um, playing or singing. He decided, well, I'm going to become a singer-songwriter. And so he like learned to play the guitar from Judy Sill, his friend, and learned a few chords. And he started like composing his own songs. And he also hosted like these music nights at his house. And so he'd have friends come over. Mm. <clears throat> he had friends come over, and he had this... Uh, you know, and he had like a bit of a setup. He had a drum kit and some stuff set up so people could play instruments. And, and so, yeah, so people come over and, and, uh, and, but he's kind of idiosyncratic. So when you listen to the song, it's not like you're not, you're not listening to go, why didn't this guy sell songs? It's going to be like, oh, I can kind of see why he didn't sell songs. Yet I love it because it's so, like you say, it's humanizing to yeah, me. Yeah. Like people who are just doing their own thing. And even though it's, they're not experts or whatever, they're just, it's so, it's so, uh, heartfelt. So this is from, uh, his uh, album came out in 2017. It's like a collection of songs that were never released at the time, never sold, and never nothing ever happened with them. But you know, he had fun making them because he did it with his friends in his in his living room. 
And this is Butterflies from uh, the album Chariot, Chariot of Astral Light. So let's give a listen. This is Tommy Peltier, or Peltier, not sure. Here we go. Butterfly in the wind. First they're here, then they're gone. Look around into your heart, they form. Into your heart, they form. Into your heart, they form. Dancing on Loving heart Warming smile From the stars Get the Yeah, no, I liked it. I, it was uh, very Neil Youngy to me. Near the end, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of when he goes into that falsetto part near the end of the song, which yeah. I just love so much because it's just so. And as a Canadian, crazy. I have to be pro Neil Young. I can't. Mm. Do, there's nothing I can do. Yeah, I love the piano in it. Mm-hmm. Just the do 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 do. Played by this guy named Lynn Blessing, who was like a jazz musician at the time. That's a good name, Lynn Blessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a couple of his records that I found over the t- over the years. Once I heard this, I started like being aware of him and i found a couple of records in thrift stores and and uh it's really good like they're they're very like they're not like challenging or anything but they're just nice oh good i quite like them they're kind of um california jazz which was always a bit looser and and not as not as uh hardcore as the as the eastern style but uh, yeah it's great and the reason the judy sill connection was that they were friends and she appeared on some of his songs like playing organ or doing doing back back background vocals and so when Judy still had, there was like a bit of a revival of interest in her in, in the late, tw- in the sort of the, in the teens, in the 2000, the 2000 teens. Um, <laughs> she, um, so I guess he put we this out. We never got around to naming it. Don't worry about it. So, yeah. So uh, there was, um, there's a record company or like a, like a, whatever you call them, a label down in Seattle called Light in the Attic Records, which I knew because they put out like the free design records okay and so that was what kind of brought me to their catalog and then they put this out uh i had this judy silk connected thing so i was like oh well i gotta get this because you know i would be a fool not to and it's really good so i'm glad i did but uh yeah 
That's good stuff. And I always kind of wonder, like, was it kind of a druggy scene? It feels kind of druggy at the same time as being kind of, like, fun-sounding. It feels like a lot of them were, mm-hmm. like, they never, like, succeeded. Like, they never really went forward in their lives, which feels kind of like a drug scene to me. But Yeah. But who knows? I don't want to judge Most them. Most people don't uh, go much forward. Yeah. You know? I don't want to judge that, what was going on there, because I don't know for sure. Okay, let's go on with another song that Ian will not have liked very much, everyone. This is Not a Surf. <laughs> the song is Fruit Fly. This is from their uh, 2002 album, Let Go. Uh, still playing, still playing, and they put it. Oh, really? Once again, Stinky Dragon listeners will know them from, or Stinky Dragon listening party listeners will know them uh, from other, one of their songs is on a connection, but also their 2020 album was in my uh, top 20 okay. for 20. No one else is uh, going on Fruit Flies. They're still going, even though summer's over. Yeah, <laughs> God fruit damn flies. them. Fruit Flies are still around. God damn them. But hey, I like bananas. Uh, you know who really likes bananas? <laughs> Those sons of bitches. <laughs> and if you keep any like a little bit of compost in your, in your counter, oh, you're going to put it out in the morning or whatever. Yeah, oh, yeah, brother, yeah. yeah. I guess it. you made some new friends overnight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi, Ian. Hi, Fruit Flies. <laughs> We are Legion. I know you are. Anyway, do you want to listen to this song about fruit flies? Yes, we do, Ian. All right, Dave will play it for you then. Left some food wrapped up In a plastic bag On the kitchen table Way too long Sat down to eat Next to the bag I was too tired To throw it out I saw a swarm of fruit flies I took the bag downstairs When I came back They were still there Flying jerky patterns like Snowflakes in the air I'm sorry You got nowhere to go Got nowhere to go Nothing looks right, nothing smells right 
And we're back. I thought that was sweet. You didn't think I'd like it. But oh, I thought okay. it was a sweet song. I just because it, it does the uh, slow start with. Oh, the, I know. You know goes, but I, then I won't like any up. song in the world because they all do that. <laughs> oh my god, you enjoyed it. It is a great song, and I love. I the thing I really like about it is the the kind of uh, insect sounding guitar solo at the very sure, end of the song. Yeah. That's really great. They have a lot of fun. Yeah, great band. Great band. Their first albums are are so so. Like they're very much in in uh, in. Uh, awe of uh, grunge music and they all have that kind of sound to them but their later stuff they kind of get it over underneath that cloud and uh, they're, they're great great stuff well even though i know there's going to be a part two to this at yeah the very well least, we're done we're wrapped up now so i couldn't we'll resist it. no we're done so i we, couldn't resist a that song was five top five we're done we have to do this one two three four five we're done. <laughs> i couldn't resist adding a song done. from the most popular bug in, in the world. I think. Oh, okay. I get where you're going. And this is nice because people have been asking us to come back to this band and talk about yeah. this band. So this it's is, nice that, yeah. yeah, and we've mentioned the band on uh, on the show before, yeah. clearly. Many I times. think people know who we're talking about since sure. it's insect based. Yeah. And it's, of course, the, the Bugaloos. All oh, right. So here we go with uh, If You Become a Bugaloo from, from 1970, everybody. Here we go. Are you still angry? <laughs> um, so that was like Sid and Marty Croft, the, yeah, uh, the yeah. Bugaloos. Well, probably nothing to do with them. This is probably like produced by some hotshot. Uh, I should have looked to see who wrote it. Um, I didn't really do much research on these ones. But Do you know any famous musicians that yeah. auditioned for the Bugaloos TV show? Did, it, did he? Yeah. Who? Uh, Phil Collins. Oh, really? Yeah. Phil, Col- Phil Collins was... No, that can't be right. It is. The Bugaloos? He was in Genesis at the time playing drums. No, he wasn't. No, it was before that. It was just before that. Oh, okay, so in 69, maybe. Okay, okay, yeah, because he wasn't on their first album. Yeah, let me, uh, let me look this up Because this is from it. 1970. Yeah. This song was released in 1970. Yeah. What's interesting to me about this song 
which actually I enjoy entirely, and it's it's short and sweet, and that's great. What I what I like about this song though is, or this time period, and this is emblematic of that, is just how much everything was about music. You know, like you couldn't have a band, especially at this time of bubblegum, and not have like a bubblegum album come out of of the Bugaloos, the Hardy Boys, uh, your Chimpanzee show. Um, the what was it called? The something evolution, the evolution revolution. But oh, he's I like don't a, know. He's like a, a chimp, chimpanzee anyway. I can't remember his name now. But all of them, all of them had records. All of them had bubblegum records. They were all being like thrown together by a bunch of hotshot young producers with se- session musicians and session singers and songwriters just pumping this stuff out. You know, yep. everyone. I don't care who you were. Okay, here we go. Yeah. So uh, among those auditioning were Elton John's future manager John Reed okay. and Phil Collins who uh, joined the art rock band Genesis later that year. Because yeah, the original drummer left. Yeah, that's interesting. But how come they're holding auditions in, in England for the Bugglies? Was it a British show? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Because John know. Reed was... I, maybe John Reed was an American. Cause... Touted as the British version of the Monkees, uh, oh. the Bugaloos attracted more than 5,000 young actors and actresses to audition in spring 1970 for the show's four lead roles. And had to uh, dance, sing, and act. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess if we're going to go by Rocket Man, which yeah, I don't so it know. It was how all accurate. British actors, yeah. but it was never screened in uh, the UK. It was all British actors who who auditioned. Uh, although the show featured British actors, it was not screened in the UK. So some of some of them are British. Okay. Well, I mean, because Martha Ray obviously isn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Billy Bart, I don't know if Billy Barty talked or if he was just like. Uh, uh, in in a costume or, or whatnot. Mm, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. remember. And and like the early uh, Sid and Marty Crofts, one season, just like H.R. Puff and stuff, one season. Yeah, Lidsville, one season. That's all you get. That's all you get because they're, they're too expensive for the most part. And they yeah, is that what it was? Really? A little bit. Yeah. Oh. Here was a there's a bit of trivia here that was interesting about the Bugaloos. See, I don't know nothing about music, and I think, but was... I know me some uh, Sid and Marty Croft. <laughs> well, I think the problem for those shows also was. The sim- similar thing you get with a lot of comic book series nowadays, which is you start strong, and then it, the audience tails off as you get towards the end of it. So you re- you just start a whole new show. Well, yeah. Put it in the same time slot. Well, there's nothing to any of them, right? Oh, yeah, like you're watching the same thing no, over and bo- over it's again. Boring. They're all boring. Like, well, they're you know they're vi- they're visually interesting. The songs are good. Like mm. all that's the secret weapon to all these Sid and Marty Croft things is the songs are like oh, that's pretty good. It's a pretty yeah, good song, yeah. and almost always like. Oh, that's a really good theme song. That's mm. a real catchy, catchy. Even yeah, like yeah. Sigmund the Sea Monster for crying out loud. It's like, this is good songs. <laughs> the Bugaloos. Yeah. The you gotta have friends. They're here and there and everywhere. Yeah, and the creepy Lidsville song and HR Puff and stuff. <laughs> um, so here's the thing. They had a vehicle in the... I'm going to ask you a little trivia here. Okay. They had a vehicle in the um, in the show called the Bugaloo Buggy. Okay. And it was designed by uh, car builder George Barris. Who also designed the Batmobile. And The Monkey Mobile. Did you design the monkey mobile? Yeah. Okay. And also uh, one other famous car. Well, I guess the, the Green Hornets. Uh, oh, that's car. interesting. I didn't know that. But <laughs> I'm, I'm going to keep going with you then. Uh, see if you can. Other famous car from that, like another hot rod car. Was it the Munster Mobile? Yeah, which okay. was called the. What was the name for that car? It was called the. It is related to Grandpa in some way. Oh, the Dragster or the Dracula. Dr- the... Oh, give it. You're almost there. Figure it out. Sound it out in your head. It was also a Rob Zombie song. <laughs> the uh, the Dragula? Yes. Okay. That was it. It was the Dragula. <laughs> huh. Yeah, he did a lot of uh he did the Monkey Mobile for sure. I don't know about um I don't know I don't know about the Green Hornet's car, but I know he designed the Monkey Mobile. But yeah, they're talking here about if uh, John Reed and Phil Collins had uh, gotten those roles 
uh, rock would have been very different. Yes, Phil Collins for sure. I don't know about John Reed. I mean, I guess Elton John was, but Elton John was kind of on his way up. But maybe, maybe he needed John Reed. I think they were like an item, right? Because if you watch Rocket Man, they meet at when he played his. his uh, I mean, uh, let's assume that there's some kernel of truth to that movie, which is pretty, pretty fantastic. But if according to the movie, they met at that American club that he plays at. That's like a big deal, the Troubadour. Okay. And and uh, and then they have sex. Oh, okay. Good on them. I've heard good things. I've heard good things about sex. <laughs> sex so we call it in Canada, Dave. Sorry. Yeah. Canoodling. Canoodling. Like I know that's England, <laughs> and that and in England yeah. they call it boingy boinging. Yeah. They call it canoodling. I don't know. Ucadling? No, I can't. Just can't think of it. I tried it. I tried it. It didn't work. And when they climax, they have to go. God save the queen. <laughs> King. Well, now back yeah. then though it was oh. God save the queen. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Now now it's different. Mm-hmm. You're correct. You're correct to update it. <laughs> it's very difficult. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, and, and Phil Collins, both of them were auditioning for the same role, which was IQ, mm. who was a grasshopper who plays the guitar and sings lead vocals. I see. Yeah. There was also, there was a grasshopper, there was a bumblebee, there was a ladybug, there was a butterfly. Mm. And the villain was Benita Bazaar. Mm-hmm. She, lived, right she lived in a jukebox <laughs> and wanted to play her terrible music. Yeah. Uh, nice. There you go, everyone. That's uh, this week's top five with a bonus song. Oh, sorry. I'm looking. Yeah, very good. Uh, apparently, one of the characters was also called Funky Rat, who was a German-accented chauffeur and chief flunky. Uh, so it does take off of the rat from a continuation yeah. of the rat from H.R. He, Puff and later stuff. on, because that was after. Oh, okay. Uh, the movie H.R. was later. Puff and stuff comes after. This, this was the this was the first of the uh, oh, Sid okay, Marty okay. Shows. Oh, really? It, it, it yeah. dated. Oh, it did, and that. so that was a uh, yeah. It, then he became boss wishes, witches, who was Martha Ray as well. Yeah, uh, chauffeur uh, Heinrich uh, Rat in uh, Puff and Stuff, who was clearly a Nazi. He was doing the Nazi salute everywhere, so I don't know if he was a full on Nazi in this or not. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so many questions. Was there a Hitler in this world? Anyway, so on and so forth. Um, we're going to move on now to uh, the wonderful world of letters. Um, so last week we, we asked a couple of questions and you answered them. So thank you for that. And you also commented on the show, um, from, uh, Brent, uh, Tannehill, uh, what movie have you asked? Oh, what movie have you seen more than any other movie? Mm-hmm. How many times have you seen it? Yeah. And sub question of the week, what movie have you only seen part of and why? So here we go with those letters. Buckle up. Uh, Dave's going to be asleep by the end of this. I'm just going to let you know that now. No, I'm, I'm better now. I was uh, struggling there for a little bit. Okay. But then the coke kicked in? The cocaine kicked in, yes. Thank you All for right, that. All right. Very good. Thank we are for, like... Thank you for cutting a couple of lines. We are like the Saturday Night Live in the 70s. <laughs> uh, Matthew Sanborn Smith uh, uh, writes, Hello, gents. I'm only an hour and seven minutes into the episode as I write this. <laughs> so I don't know if there's a revelation about the computers at Dave's job later in the show. I'm not an IT guy, but I do sometimes work with our IT guys at my job. It sounds like the thing that's missing in the chain between the computer and the data is the right software. Mm. Uh, Your average employee can't just plug in a computer and pull up the company's data, even if they have the okay to do so. There has to be software designed to do that, an interface, if you will. Will you? 
So uh, the original software was probably designed many years ago by some sharp cookie in-house, or more likely, it was purchased from a company that sold solutions to smallish operations. Uh, There's a good chance the company doesn't exist anymore. Back when it was new, the software was probably installed and the customer data uh, was entered by using that software. So now it uh, may be the case where somebody had to reverse engineer a new program to fit the way the old one worked with that data. Not a simple fix for a non-tech company. So that might be the problem you guys are having. I feel it's more physical than program. I see. We do have a we do have an inventory program, but it's a it's a by a company outside of ours who have been working with the IT to, to get everything back to working. And from what I've heard, they've been buying like ser- they've been like replacing the servers. Okay. Not replacing the programming. So there's it feels like it's more of a physical problem. Once again, I. I'm just speaking from absolute ignorance, so just from right. what I've gleaned from I think it's I think it's Trons. <laughs> yes, there someone crashed a someone threw a disc into the uh, memory banks. Louise writes. Louise. Uh, by the way, Louise uh, um, uh, came over to uh, my place uh, with some delicious Finnish treats. Oh, nice for uh, for uh, Pia and uh, and Vicky. Uh, uh, and so that was very, very appreciated. Thank you so much for that. And and really good. Really, really good. Typical Louise. Very thoughtful. Uh, Yeah, typical Louise. Doing a nice thing and being a great person. (laughs) Uh, I'd never uh, walked out of a movie, so I'm going to amend your sub-question to what's a movie you wish you'd only seen part of. And here are my top three. In order of excruciatingly long-running time, they are... (laughs) And Andre uh, Tarkovsky's Soviet Wasteland sci-fi odyssey, Stalker, from 1979, 161 minutes. Good movie. Terrence Malick's existential WW2, World War II, for those of you uh, in the know, <laughs> film The Thin Red Line, 1998, 170 minutes. Yeah, that's a great movie. And David Lynch's meta-movie nightmare, Inland Empire, 2006, 180 minutes. Love that movie. Um, bon- stop contrasting this thing. <laughs> Bonus film. Elaine uh, Reznor's Wild Grass. Renee. Renee's Wild Grass, a.k.a. Le Herbe uh, 2009, 104 minutes. It was normal length, but even that was a uh, trop long pour moi. Uh, <laughs> top six reasons for not leaving a movie uh, that was turning out to be awful. I kept hoping it would get better. It was supposed to be an art house classic. It was getting Oscar buzz. I felt I could only judge it harshly if I saw the whole thing. I was seeing the movie with a friend. It would be awkward to leave. I paid for it and didn't want to admit I made a bad, bad entertainment investment. Damn it. Yeah. Huh. First movie I can remember walking out of was uh, Hollow Man. Because uh, he got the power of it. Kevin Bacon got the power of invisibility. And the first thing he did, first thing was uh, sexually assaulted someone. And it was like, well, this ain't going to get better. What's going to happen now? He's going to do something fun now? No, it's just going to get like more of this. Yeah, like, yeah. Ah, fiddlesticks. I think I actually said fiddlesticks. Just went, Good for you. And, and flopped both my hands forward and went, fiddlesticks. <laughs> Stood up, sauntered out. Nice. And I said, enjoy your movie, chumps, as I saluted everybody. I, I don't think I've ever walked out of a movie, actually. Okay. I'm kind of I'm like that with books as well. I've never like put a I've never stopped reading a book that I've been reading. You ever stop reading a book because you're watching a movie? Well, yeah, I don't do the two things at once. That would be rather rather odd. Interesting. All right. I also don't look at my phone, sir. Okay. Do you look at other people's phones instead? I do. I still Silius's phone. Look at it. Yeah, that's fine then. Edward Dragansky uh, writes. 
Oh, such brave sneakers to ask such a question of me, or should I say <laughs> Brent Tannehill for asking. Uh, it's a close race for the number one position between Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back, but I'm pushing Empire to the top because my brother and I had unlimited access to seeing it through the summer of 1980. I was 15, my brother was 8, and we could safely walk to our local theater from home, which we did sometimes twice a week to watch Empire. This wasn't the case uh, with Star Wars 3 uh, years earlier, which wasn't being shown locally, nor were uh, my brother and I old enough to walk anywhere as we did in 1980. The other factor was that in 1980, Texas was suffering the worst heat wave in history yet to be broken, so sitting inside an air-conditioned theater was cheap and easy entertainment. Okay, that made me think of a question for this week. <laughs> Maybe a bonus question. We'll see. I've lost track of how many times I've seen Empire, but it may well be in the 100s. For some reason uh, that goes unexplained, I still feel as I'm watching it as if it just uh, came out. It stands transfixed in time for me. It still works on every level for me, too. The choreography, vast settings, the direness of the plot, the mysticism and the music. I was also in a state of deep astonishment when Darth Vader revealed to Luke that he was his, oh, spoilers, father. I still remember that moment. I could put it on right now and never tire of it. I also have a, a story slightly tied to Star Wars that resulted in me leaving the theater from November uh, 2001. The rumor was that a second trailer for Star Wars Attack of the Clones was going to be shown ahead of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, so I took the day off to see it on opening day. The first trailer for Clones was shown months earlier before Monsters, Inc., so I figured it was uh, about time for the second trailer with Harry Potter. I went in knowing nothing about Harry Potter, so I figured uh, after seeing the Clones trailer, I'd kick back and see what this Harry Potter guy was all about. I go in the theater as the trailers run, and nothing for Attack of the Clones was shown. So I figured I'd switch theaters to the next showing, and they'd preview it. Maybe it wasn't ahead of this showing. I, I think I'd spent uh, the afternoon switching theaters four or five times, and never saw the Clones trailer, which meant I'd uh, have seen the start of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone about four or five times too. So I gave up and just fucking left. I was so mad. And nobody working at the theater had any idea about a connection between Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone and Attack of the Clones trailer. As I write this, I've only seen the first half hour or so of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, and nothing of the entire series that followed. So I really know uh, absolutely nothing about Harry Potter, and I don't really, I really don't care to. It's worth watching the third movie. The third movie is quite good. Um, to sum it up. I finally saw the Clones trailer on a laptop in one of those computer coffee bars that were so popular back in 2001. The kind with the shitty dial-up and really unstable video connection. It was the following weekend after the Harry Potter incident, and even uh, though the trailer had to restart about half a dozen times with a flimsy connection, I finally saw it! David, yes. excellent touch playing uh, Tin Soldier at the end of last week's episode. Oh, Small faces really did have a great sound, especially with Steve Marriott's underrated vocals. Thanks for the wonderful intel about their history. I've said it before, Dave. If you could ever get to, to where you're tired of throwing garage doors around in a place with no working computers, you could easily focus on what you know about music for a living. Whether it's writing or some sort of chronicled archiving job, I think you're more than qualified. Good night to all my fellow sneakers around the world and in outer space! <laughs> And what, quit door business? It's an open and shut thing. I don't know. Uh, Mick <laughs> writes, Hey, Mick. David. Yes. And Ian. Oh. Love the future past top five, especially 
hearing the Wings classic 1985, which is one of my yeah, which is one of my favorite uh, solo Beatles tracks. Cool. Uh, the movies I've seen uh, the most come through that unique time in the home video history when the cost of blank VHS tapes was quite high, hmm. circa 1985. So most households usually only had a couple of tapes to record movies from TV. We had two tapes on which we recorded Caddyshack and Meatballs. <laughs> Meatballs. My brother and I must have watched those two films between 30 and 50 times until uh, eventually the cost of tapes came down. Apart from those two, for me, it is probably the original Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, Raiders, Dead Poets Society, The Untouchables, and Local Hero. Gotta go! Uh, I had a boss when I was starting off doing Vancouver Theater Sports, which is an improv company here. And that boss was named Jim McClarity. And Jim McClarity was the guy that Chris Makepeace races at the end of Meatballs. Oh, wow. He is the snob. The the snob. What is there a camp called across the lake? Uh, Camp Snobby Bottom. (laughs) I think that's right. The Snobby Bottom Boys. I I don't know. I think that movie is still all right. I think. I think it is. I think think if Bill Murray hadn't been in it, it would not be a good movie. But I think Bill Murray makes it. Yeah. He made it into a movie. Well, I, I mean, I, I would say uh, look at all the Caddyshack movies that followed for. Oh, I thought, sorry, I was talking about uh, Meatballs. Oh, Meat? Oh, Meatballs. Sorry, I, I mean, sorry, there's only one Caddyshack movie. There's four Meatballs movies that follow. Yeah. Uh, one involving a porn star who's trying to get into heaven by getting uh, the uh, the recast Chris Makepeace's character laid. <laughs> It's a heck of a thing. It's a lot to unpack. Mm. Um, Al Waxman is in it, too, who, if you're Canadian, you know as King of Kensington. And if you're not, you might know as the boss on Cagney and Lacey. Though, why would you? But, uh, you know, he was a famous actor in Canada. And he's in that movie. And he's keeping the porn star out of heaven until she gets a kid laid. And that was the plot of Meatballs 3. Meatballs 4 had Kevin McDonald from Kids in the Hall in it. Um, Billy uh, writes back to Mick. Mick, our two well-worn VHS tapes around the time were Meatballs and Rocky, both recorded off broadcast TV, <laughs> with the commercials clumsily edited out, um, hitting the pause button at every commercial break. I did that with only one movie, and that was Harold and Maude, which I actually did a really good job. Uh, I, would, I would like stop, play, go back to exactly where the show sto- stopped, before this before the ad started. Oh. Then I would start it exactly... When the movie came back on, so wow! There's, yeah, there's no nice. gaps. It was really, it was professionally done. Is what I'm saying. That was my uh, that was my test for people. If they liked that movie, they they were they could stay in my life. Was there ever like a, a fuss like there was for cassette tapes about like, hey, people are taping this off uh, the radio. We need to charge extra for these tapes. Uh, was there like that for VHS tapes for uh, people taping movies off TV? Like, hey, this is going to yeah, ruin movies on I TV. Home taping. For movie like home taping, scanning yeah. movies or anything, I remember that being a an issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but that was of course also back then. You know, movies were uh, so expensive. But but I was going to say, like, yeah, I think I don't know if I don't know if they marketed VHS at that time. Like, it seems to me like rental was more important than buying them. Right? Yeah, like you you wouldn't think about going to the store to buy a video cassette. No, the big deal was when ET came out. And that mm-hmm. was like, can you imagine? Yeah. You could watch. Get, get Wait, relax. Sit down. I'm going to blow your mind. Yeah. You could watch E.T. You watch a square version of this movie. You can watch a square version of E.T. <laughs> you square. Anytime you want it. Like, yeah. say you want to watch E.T. at 3 in the morning. Hey, listen up. You could watch it anytime. Yeah. You would own E.T. Yeah. 
Can you imagine that? And that was a big freaking deal. No, I can see that. Yeah. I can't think of the amount of times I've watched E.T. in the last 20 years. Uh, Lisa writes, question number one. <gasps> My Lisa? Host, yeah. Co-host of Horse Mysteries? Oh, it took you a while to remember the name of the show. I've <laughs> uh, done so many. Question number one. Probably Pee-wee's a big adventure because it's pretty much a perfect movie, uh, in my mm-hmm. humble opinion. Yeah. Not sure how many times I've seen it, but when the kids were little, both my nephews and our own daughters, it was on pretty much constantly when we were visiting my parents' farm. Uh, I saw it in the theater when it first came out and then uh, brought my little cousins to see it shortly after that. During the large Marge scene, my one little cousin experienced such a big jolt, all of his milk duds took a trip towards the ceiling, and then it rained down on the theater. He grew up to be all right, though, so no lasting damage there. Uh, question number two. Too many to mention. Uh, the most recent uh, I can remember was Top Gun, the original. Tried to watch it this summer for the first time, but there ain't enough extra minutes in life that I can devote to that kind of thing anymore. Enjoyed the sequel this summer, though. Yeah. So you're saying the movie did not take your breath away. Uh, I got a question then. Is uh, when you did you see Big Top Pee Wee, which took place on a farm? So you know what did she you think not, of that one? She doesn't like that one. I don't like that one. No. Okay, very good. To her, Pee Wee's Big Adventure is like a perfect movie. Yeah. And it's funny when Mary was little, she she could do the she could do the dance the tequila dance with a pair of high heel shoes on. <laughs> it's pretty good. That's excellent. Yeah. Mary, of course, being the co-host of Sneaky Dragon Listening Party. <laughs> Peter Ayers writes. Greetings for the country uh, with the least need for more cowbell, Switzerland. <laughs> Ian, uh, sorry to hear you've been through the ringer. Sorry to hear you've been through the ringer, sending virtual strength, warmth, and general good vibes. Stuff life throws at us can be draining, and your talk of feeling a sudden chill as the adrenaline dropped rang true. Thank you for being so open. Well, thank you so much, Peter. Uh, on to the questions. I didn't rewatch movies that much, but a few stand out. Little Shop of Horrors is one I've shared with many friends, and it just keeps getting better with age. Agreed. Glad they changed the ending from the original. Uh, a film with similar, similar uh, gigantic set is Rear Window, a film I could just wallow in. Uh, <laughs> I, I love spending time in that place with a colorful cast and, of course, Grace Kelly. <laughs> I think the only film I've walked yeah, out of is Grace Meet Kelly. the Feebles. Really? Uh, Peter Jackson's ill-advised and mean-spirited journey yeah. into puke-inducing puppetry. That's the fun of it. Yeah, I didn't like it at all either. It, uh, <laughs> too mean-spirited? Distur- yeah, it was too mean. And uh, to the point where I'm like, ugh, wish I hadn't seen that. <laughs> I only wish I'd walked out sooner. I did like shut it off halfway too as well. Uh, audition was a <sighs> near thing. Uh, the way the pace slows down as things turn unpleasant makes it an exercise in staying pow- power. <laughs> Uh, these days, I've started but not finished a ton of movies thanks to the quantity of crap on Netflix and lack of time due to parenthood. Mm. Uh, currently to be finished includes Jean-Pierre Jeunet's uh, so far disappointing Big Bug and Santa Sangri, which gets switched off when another family member comes into the room. That's, that's weird. You have that on Netflix. It's on, it's on Shudder here in North America. Looking forward to hearing what uh, treats lie within this week's top five. Uh, I bet it was a belter. It was. (laughs) Thanks, David, for providing your thoughts on these bands. I would, of course, urge you to give Ween another try and completely agree with you on the Shags and similar outsider bands. I'm glad they're out there, but I don't mind them staying out there if it means I don't have to listen to them more than once. I feel uh, much the same way about Zappa and similar avant rockers. Hmm. Yodley-hoo! Peter. (laughs) Yodley-hoo! 
Um, yeah, that's the name of the, the Switzerland version of the Who is the Yodel <laughs> We've got the Guess Who. Switzerland yeah. has the Yodel Who. Yeah. Um, Billy writes. Oh, Billy writes back. I've probably seen It's a Wonderful Life more times than any other movie. Never walked out in a uh, on a movie in a theater, but almost did during Bill Cosby's Leonard Part Six in the mid '80s. Tried rewatching it again maybe 20 years later. It has not improved. I've only seen parts of Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy on TV. One weekend I'll find the time to watch them all, but that's quite quite a commitment. One time to watch them all. One <laughs> time to find them. One time to tape them all, and in the darkness watch them to completion. <laughs> That was my addition at the end there. Do we have any uh, e- emails? We, we do. We do. We do. We do. We do. We do. Please check our electronic mailbox, David, and uh, tell me what's up. Well, we heard from... Uh, um, actually, Billy wrote to send me his address. I just want to thank Billy for doing that. Okay. That was very nice of you. I have, I have not sent it yet. It's sitting on my desk with an, an envelope, so I will get on that, because I'm being a bit of a slug these days. Um... I think I think my work has affected me more than I thought it would. Yeah. How busy it's been and it's been very draining. I've been kind of I've been kind of addle-brained, addle-pated and uh it's been really like come home and like sit in a chair and read a book. That's all I what all I want to yeah. do. Especially when it was nice and warm out, I would come home and just sit on the back deck and just mm. read. It's very nice. Oh, very nice, nice to do. It is nice, but things kind of fall <laughs> fall on the wayside. Oh, I understand. <laughs> so I apologize to people who've been waiting for me. Uh we got a letter. I would like to hear it. From Jonathan Bapton. Oh, even better. He wrote to say, well, actually, the subject is episode 564, questions. Hello, messers. Never talk above white spot. Never talk about white spot anymore. What's up with that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're, we've skipped uh, dinner last week, but we went the week before. Mm-hmm. We had a nice uh, time. Yeah. I uh, went with uh, my sister-in-law, uh, Vicky. Um uh, I'm trying to remember what she had. I think she had a salad. Uh, I had something. I think it was a new special. You had a po' boy. I had a po' boy. And it was all right. A po' boy. It was all right. Uh, you had your legendary burger. With... No, I didn't. I had fish and chips. I had, because I had oh. haddock. They had haddock on. And I was thinking about it afterwards. I was thinking, it's funny. Like, when when we grew up, you would go get fish and chips. It would be cod. Cod and chips. Yeah. Sometimes if you're a fancy, it'd be halibut and chips. Right. But it seems like halibut has gone the way of... If, uh, I guess it's not that common anymore to get a hell of it. So it's, you don't really see it very much. And cod has also gone the way of the dodo. So now we're down to uh, haddock <laughs> as our fish and chip fish, I guess, until we uh, fish it into extinction and then we'll have to switch to something else. Slugs. Um, so he says, uh, come on, some of us live for your exotic North American diner fare. Is it exotic? Burgers and yeah, there was also a uh, I think I had a chicken curry soup uh, the other week at the White Spot. Uh, yeah, it was good. We usually have a Coca Cola comes with a free refill. Dave's <laughs> fries also come with a refill. They ask like, "Hey, you want more fries?" And Dave goes, "No, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, because that's enough fries." I just ate a potato. I don't need another potato. Yeah, uh, they have nice pierogies there, though they're not really pierogies, but they they're good. Even though I don't think they're pierogies, they're too soft for pierogies. I don't think they count as pierogies, but well, they're should be are. hard, like also, like fried. Well, like a, tra- a more traditional pierogi. Sure, it's been fried yeah. in a frying pan with onions and. Bacon. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, a little bit. Oh. <laughs> now you got me. Now you got me wanting that. Then when you, it's near completion, you uh, put some cheese on top and then cover it with a. And you yell, "God save the queen." God save the king. 
I've seen the original Dirty Harry all the way through no less than 190 times or so. Whoa! I'm pretty confident of this reckoning as I made a habit of watching the film monthly since I moved out of home in 2006. This ritual stopped in early 2020 upon the birth of our sons. Nevertheless, that's approximately 160 times. Is one of your sons named Harry? It's a good question. And is the other son named Dirty? <laughs> After I saw the film in 1998, in year 10 film and television class, I would have borrowed the VHS five times or so. And let's say I watched it at least twice a year until I moved out of home another, t- another 14 times. During the course of Dirty Harry Minute podcast, where I watched every minute a couple of times before recording each episode, let's say that equates to another 10 times. And surprisingly, I'm not a right-wing nut job. I think my second most watched film is probably Rosemary's Baby, but I doubt my viewings would meet 10% of Dirty Harry. <laughs> the movie I've only seen a part of is Jerry Maguire. Oh. It was playing at an outdoor cinema in a parklands near our family. For some reason, it playing at the start of it was playing at the start of a night of Christmas carols. A little ways into the film, my sister was bitten by some undiscovered insect while lying on the family rug. We had to hightail it out of there. Not long after we were at home, and my sister quickly recovered. Ooh. I was disappointed because I just began my teenage devotion to The Who, and we left the movie during a scene when Getting in Tune had started to play. P.S. Dave, how come you disdain watching a movie more than once, <laughs> but can listen to a mo- song over and over? Is it simply the brevity of a song compared to a 90-minute movie, or the fact that a song is not generally a narrative piece? Uh, just to answer that quickly. Sure. Or uh, take a while. Or take a while. Uh, as you know, I am not very good at remembering lyrics of songs or even listening to lyrics of songs. It's not really why I listen to songs in most cases. There are some songs where the lyrics are important to me. But for the most part, it's the music that makes me interested in a song. It shoots that beam into your head. It shoots that blue beam of light into my brain. And, and that's what's important. Yeah, and that blue beam of light is what makes me interested in that song. And it could be the emotional feeling or just the guitar solo. And yeah, it's true that I think that whereas movies are narratively important and emotionally important, but I find that the emotional impact of, of it dissipates when you watch it again. It doesn't have that punch, you know, it doesn't have that whatever it was, the elation or the punch to the gut or whatever that made that movie important to me or, or enjoyable to me and not even necessarily enjoyable because you don't have to enjoy a movie to think it's great you can watch a movie that's like a, a hard grinding you know thing that was difficult to watch hello inland empire but it can still be meaningful to you and and meaningful to you and, and have and and have emotional weight but if i watched it again it wouldn't have that it just becomes a technical exercise then and i often think that movies don't stand that second technical viewing that there's elements of them that kind of fall apart on the second viewing and you're kind of like oh why did that character do that i didn't notice it the first time because i was too too caught up in the movie but watching it again now that i'm at a remove their motivations seem kind of dumb like what is going on here you know so it can kind of spoil films too so uh but that's not to say i don't rewatch films there are movies that i've rewatched many times and some movies you'd be like dave why have you rewatched uh, that movie over and over again. I want to be an example of a movie that I watched many times. Well, everybody wants some. The Richard Linklater film I've seen like four times for no okay. real reason other than how I many find times it have you seen uh, It's a Wonderful Life? Probably. I think we talked about that. I've probably seen it four times, four or five times, because okay. it was on very commonly when we were young, yeah. younger. Because it was out of copyright, it is now back in copyright. Yeah, there was some decision made that that made the film get awarded back to the original 
license holder. And so now it has the screws have tightened on it and it's no longer available to us. So now we, no one will have that experience we had as kids growing up to have a movie like that that played every year for us. Like, It's a Wonderful Life. It's gone from us. It's too bad. I guess people replace it with something. But yeah, no, it's weird. I watch, uh, I do watch like incredibly dumb movies and I just think they're great. Like, oh, another one would be The Duff. Okay. Um, which is a kind of a romantic comedy. And I just like the two leads in it a lot. And uh, so it makes me want to watch it again because they're like friends or whatever. You yeah, know? sure. Um, it's comfort. Yeah, yeah. So there are some movies like that that I'll, I'll rewatch a couple of times. But uh, in general, once a movie's done, it's done. Um, PPS, Pedden's Accent. Um, actually, <laughs> I think you'll find that the Eagles were, in fact, always just Eagles without the definite article. As Hollow Notes were, in fact, Daryl Hall and John Oates. That is true, yeah. But it's so much better than when it's Holland Oats, guys. And I don't know about the Eagles. Maybe it was just Eagles on some of the records, but the Eagles. I think if you look at the cover hmm. of the long run. I want to see a KTL uh, thing and see if they call them the Eagles. The Eagles with. Just give me one second, everybody. The By the way, I watched an interview with the guy who did the um, the voiceover for that. It was uh, it was neat. And he was friends with uh, the KTL folks. He has since passed away, sadly. But uh, he enjoyed like doing the all original hits, original stars, and was saying how um, that whoever the head of KTEL was, and I forget his name, would come in always and write extra words into the scripts. So he constantly had to rotate the scripts because they had hand scrawl on them and, uh, and had to add all these extra words in. And then because there was extra words, he had to go even faster on, on, on it to, um, to get it all in in 30 seconds. Well, I got to say that uh, I just looked through a bunch of uh, Eagles albums, and they're all just Eagles. Mm. There's no the, so you are pedantly correct. Thank you for that, for correcting me. I love it. Um, let's go to Brent Tannehill. He also all wrote right. to talk to answer his own question of the week. Oh, he says I've only seen the first hour of the movie First Blood. I saw mm. it in a movie theater and had a hot date that night. <whistles> I could either be late for my date or miss the end of the movie. I made the wise choice. When I was young, VHS had not been invented. Movies usually were shown shown one time only on television. And if you missed it and hadn't seen it at the movies, you could go your entire life without ever seeing it. That's why when VHS was invented, the rental stores were such a hit because you finally got a chance to watch all the movies you never had an opportunity to see. There were two movies that they would show year after year, The Wizard of Oz and It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life would often be shown several times during the Christmas season. One year, I watched it ten times. <laughs> so the winner is It's a Wonderful Life. Nice. Which I probably watched about a hundred times. And Wizard of Oz, about fifty times. Brent. Thank you, That's Brent. That's very cool. Yeah, they would also show to, yeah, they would show Wizard of Oz, they would show Sound of Music uh, every year. I remember that. And yeah, they would show uh, Ten Commandments every year. Those were there was a couple of the movies. You you me. mentioned sorry, you said um, the Southern one, right? Oh, uh, Gone with the Wind? Gone with the Wind, you said that? Uh, no, I didn't. Oh, okay. Worth, that, a, worth a mention. That's another one that was commonly shown. Yeah, when I was but yes, most movies, if it was showing on television and you didn't get to see it, it was very frustrating that you missed it. Yeah. You know? I remember one time, this sounds kind of terrible, but I, I, I was kind of pushed off the project. I just want to make that clear. But my aunt had a flood in her house. Her drainage tiles had collapsed. And so my dad and I drove over there and we were going to dig out the drainage tiles. Mm. Well, it turned out there was a bunch of people there already. And so my dad joined in with some other grown men. And they were, like, digging out all these tiles. 
And uh, I was just standing there. And I was not happy about having to go over there, by the way, because TV was showing the Marx Brothers, the coconuts, which I'd never seen before. Oh. And, you know, and this is, you know, probably five, no more than that, actually. This would have been maybe eight years after discovering them. I'd never got a chance to see this movie. And so I realized I was not being paid attention to. So I just went to my aunt's house and I watched it. <laughs> and my dad was outside digging in the rain, uh, dealing with his flood. And my aunt was downstairs trying to clean up stuff. I was sitting in her living room watching uh, The Coconuts. And you know what? I don't regret it. No. And it sounds a very uh, Mark Swarthers thing to do. <laughs> All right. This is from Mark Darbovolsky. Its subject is Sticker in the Wild. Mm. Hello, gentlemen of chaos. <laughs> As David asked, here is a photo of my Sneaky Dragon sticker in situ. I have it standing in my post-it notes holder on my desk so I can move it about to other locales on a whim. Thank you sincerely for your efforts to get it to me across the continent. Two, two thoughts I share. Ian, mm-hmm. please tell more jokes on the, on the cast. Mm. Your delivery, style, and timing raise the entertainment value of the show to the magnetosphere when you do. Oh, you. And David, although this question is from a prior show, I would like really your thoughts on the band Deep Purple. Machine Head was the first vinyl album I owned, purchased with hard-earned newspaper delivery money as an elementary schoolboy. Never bought another one of theirs, but would like your take on the group with and without Blackmore. Deep Purple Mac 123 dot dot dot. Stay happy, stay healthy, and stay on your feet. Mark Dobrovolsky sent by iPhone. Um, and there's a picture. I'll put the picture of oh, the nice. sticker. But um, my feelings about Deep Purple, well, you know, as a teenager, one of the best bands. I mean, come on. My personal favorite song by them is uh, Highway Star. Okay. That's my... Nobody gonna get my and the album I had as a kid was uh, not Machine Head. It was uh, Made in Japan, their live album. Mm. Which, at that time, I had this dumb idea that it was better to buy live albums because you got the greatest hits played live. Yeah, good value. But I don't know why I thought this was a good thing. <laughs> uh, you know, these are like very long versions of the songs as well. Like they're really stretched out. You know, like there's like a 20 minute long version of Highway Star, or whatever, because it has a long organ solo. It's an interesting thing about. Here's the interesting thing about Deep Purple, is they are like a Mark One, Two, Three band, because when they started, I would say when they started, John Lord, the organist, was the leader of the group. You know, he was the one that kind of pushed the the, the stuff, and they had like an early hit sung by a guy who was a different singer than Ian Gillan, who was the singer during like their kind of heyday of Machine Head and stuff like that. And they did a version of a of an American song called Hush, and it's a it's a good good cover, like it's a good song, but it's totally different than their later stuff. Hmm. And then John Lord kind of overstretched himself, and they did an album with, of all things, like the Calgary Symphony Orchestra or the Edmonton oh. Symphony Orchestra, like somewhere in Alberta. They did it. They did an album with. Interesting. But it didn't do well as an album. Okay. Like it was a bit of a flopperoo, and so that ended John Lord's tenure as leader of the group. And so then I think Richie Blackmore kind of stepped into the into that position, and so the band became more guitar oriented. And the organ kind of stepped back a little bit in its, as a dominant instrument. It was still dominant. Like if you listen to Made in Japan, it's full of organ. But it's uh, still... And so then it was Richie Blackmore's kind of Deep Purple for a little while. But he was a very irascible character. And it kind of eventually drove the band members, you know, kind of drove everyone away from him. And so he left to form Rainbow. And they brought in a different guitar player. But here's the thing. I think the most important part of what made Deep Purple great wasn't Richie Blackmore wasn't you know roger glover on bass or ian pace on drums but it was 
Ian Gillen is the singer. Like that's the really great time period of, of Deep Purple. When Ian Gillen left the group, it went downhill. Like when David Coverdale sang with them, it's not as good. It's not as great of a group. So I think that's kind of like where where I would like kind of like put my like you know like Stick your flag. yeah like um, Machine Head, which I I own on record as well. And uh, what's one that came after that? Fire. Gee, it's been a while since I listened to those records. I should pull them out one day. Mm-hmm. Give a listen to. Uh, those albums but yeah they're a great great band cool. in my opinion okay. um did we have any uh leftover questions of... we did have one leftover question from okay. last week <clears throat> and i put off i put it off because we were already were such so long in the show mm-hmm. kind of long this week too but well mm-hmm. we better do it because we've yeah we'll do it before we fall asleep it's been hanging fire is it your turn to fall asleep i'm starting to fall asleep yeah <laughs> sorry that's all right all right let me find it here it's just right no not right here Okay, this is from Trevor. He wrote to us on Facebook. And he said, hey, Ian and David. I'm wondering if we could hear more about Dave's time working on a fishing boat. Mm. I seem to recall he did it for one season, unless I dreamt it, which is entirely possible. (laughs) Keep sneaking. Or maybe Dave uh, dreamt it. I might have dreamt it as well. Boy, I've been getting a dry throat these days. I don't know why. So so why did you work on a fishing boat, Dave? Okay, well, so it kind of goes... So I was working in a farrier... I was not working. I was taking farrier courses to become a horseshoer. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys who was taking the class was actually a captain of a fishing boat who was also taking the course because his daughter rode horses. And he, he thought it would be a, a job he could do in the off season and also shoe their horses. Because okay. he also had a horse. He was also a rider. Um, one of my favorite quotes of all time is uh, when his daughter got mad at him because he didn't wear a helmet when he rode, he said in the most petulant vo- voice, but cowboys don't wear helmets. So, <laughs> it's true, they don't. He was right. But um, so he he was going uh, he was going to go like on the fishing boat that summer, and he didn't have a, a second deckhand. And so he was having such a great time with the people in the class that he decided he would take someone with him. And so um, he asked one of his kind of buddies if he'd go with him. This guy, nope, because he had terrible seasickness, so he could not go in a boat. He was from the island, mm-hmm. but he just no way, not a sail, okay. not a sail, not a sail guy, not a boat guy. So then another one of his buddies he asked, but this guy was living down here, and he had a young family up in Hundred Mile House, up in the interior of BC, and so he didn't see them very much, and so he was like, well, no, summer is for me to go back and, right. and be with my family and my wife and kids. So that was out. So then he had to turn to the last choice. Me, <laughs> someone that he wasn't really close to in the class. I mean, we talked and stuff like that, yeah. but we weren't, we didn't go out. We weren't share a boat for a long period. We of didn't time. go out to country, to Gabby's country cabaret and get drunk together, which he did with the other guys, right? And so, and I think he was kind of thinking, I'll continue the party, but that's not who I, I'm not a party guy. So yeah. I was a little disappointing in that department, but oh, well, I was a good deckhand. So uh, he sailed out of Souk, British Columbia, which is in the Southern part of Vancouver Island. It's, it has its own harbor, has its own uh, inlet, Souk, Souk Harbor. And so um, I basically I took the ferry across to Vancouver Island, took the bus to his uh, to Souk, and then he picked me up there. And I got to visit his family. I met his, his wife and his two daughters. And then I got on the boat. And Souk Harbor is kind of interesting because it goes out right at the tip of Vancouver Island, the bottom tip. And so you have water, from, you have the current from the Strait of Juan de Fuca coming around, or the Salish Sea, as it's now called. Uh, and then you have water coming from the Pacific Ocean, 
where they meet and then the water coming out of the harbor. And so it's this really choppy place and I made the mistake of not knowing where to pee and I went down into the head of the boat, which is this right near the diesel engine. So it's kind of greasy smelling and it's hot and you go in there and you're, the boat's doing all kinds of stuff and you're trying to pee. And then you come out and you say, you know what I think I'm going to do? I think I'm going to throw up that uh, carrot cake I just ate. <laughs> Blop. And so I was sick for about a, a day that day. But the next day I felt fine. And I felt fine the rest of the trip. I never got sick again. And he said it's not uncommon because it's such a weird, rough spot that the boat's just moving every which way. And then also the fact that I could have just peed over the edge of the boat and I probably would have been okay. But I probably would have eventually caught up with me. So it was fine. So it was a salmon tro- a troller. Not a trawler, but a troller. Okay. T-R-O-L-L-E-R. And so here in BC, there's basically three kinds of fishing boats. There's gill netters, saners, and trollers. Gill netters are what it sounds like. The fish swim and they get caught in the net. And so you kind of spread it out across. They usually, are river, they usually do river fishing. And they'll kind of spread their net across the river and then they'll catch the fish as they're going up river. Saners are like those big boats that have like a giant net that they... They put down in the water, then they pull out of the water and they catch all the salmon in the world, plus every other fish, and then just dump it onto the deck and sort it out afterwards. Trollers are slightly different. So the way a tro- what a troller is, it has three kind of like masts that come off at an angle from the side of the boat. And from those masts hang down lines into the water. And so you'll have three lines hanging down into the water, or six, I guess, from on two sides. And then from those lines, there's a multitude of lines that run off of those lines that go along in a straight line as the boat goes along and they have they have spinners on them with hooks and that tracks the, the salmon and then they'll bite the hook and then you bring them up and so trollers they catch less fish but where they make their money is in the quality of the of the presentation of the okay. catch and so all the sushi fish that you see come off trollers particularly in japan where they're they're market fish so we were mark we're graded on our on our on our uh, gutting we're graded on our catch and stuff like that because you wanted to have like these perfectly intact fish with all, all the fins on them right. and no blood in them. And so they could hang in the market and look tantalizing. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. And so uh, I was second deckhand. So I didn't even touch, I never got to touch the lines or do any of that stuff, which is fine because it would look like, it was like magic to me. I had no idea how it worked. Like it, they would, it would come out of the water, like they would, there's certain, a motor and it, the motor would pull the lines up. And as the motor pulled the lines up, they would take the, the little auxiliary lines off and in some way hook them to something or and so they and then bring them in like they'd hook them all on and then bring them in and take the fish off them okay and dump them into the bin and then conk them on the head and so when i got them they were dead then i had this little kind of v-shaped tray about two feet long and i would put them in that the fish and i would slice them slice them up from the anus up to the neck mm-hmm. i would slice them open them up and then i would gut using a knife i would take out their guts, throw them overboard. In a gesture I did about 3,000 times on the, on the boat, maybe more than that. That's why I, now, I have tennis elbow in that, in that elbow. I've always been a problem ever since then. Um, I'll wake up in the morning and I can't move it. I have to like slowly like work it into motion. <laughs> it's, it's awful. But anyway, so but that was from that. And so, um, so yeah, I would gut all these fish and I would have to use water, like I'd have a knife and I'd use water to wash them out. And then I'd put them in a bin for a little while. Because they would still have blood in them, mm-hmm. and then when they they uh, after a while they sat there, I'd take them out again and then I rewash them. Then I put them back in the bin. And <laughs> one last time, I would wash them again later on, and then I would put them into the freezer. And we had trays in this freezer. It was a freezer boat. Some trollers are are ice. They have ice, and they would pack the fish with ice 
and put them into ice in the in the in the but this was a fancier boat it had a big freezer that was heated to minus 40. and so they would sit on these trays and in about a couple hours they'd be frozen absolutely solid right you could knock them together they just go like but not like a sound of softness or anything just like totally hard and so then um usually so in the later part of the day and in the morning i would have to go into the freezer for about two hours and i would glaze all the fish so i dip the fish into water yeah into ocean water twice to get a hard casing around them and that would protect them from getting damaged and then i would carefully stack them up inside wow and i used to love to stack them so that they all face the same way and they would fill the entire front of the boat similar to what you're doing now with doors yeah Yeah. and i just love to do it like that because then it would it would once you got it all stacked in full it looked like it was like an endless row of fish (laughs) it just you could imagine them like this never ending that because it just filled the entire wall and i remember one time uh telling the other deckhand like oh when you go in there don't forget you got to stack them all in the same place like i do so that he's like all right and so he like went down and he came up later and he's like and he didn't like to do it because he considered it beneath him, right? He yeah. was first account. He came up and he goes, yeah, I stacked the fish in that stupid way you wanted me to. <laughs> I was like, oh, thanks. He, it made no sense to him, but to me it was just like so cool. Yeah. Like, because why would you want to have it in their way, but just have this really great effect of like the wall being like endless fish. But okay, weirdo. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it was a very busy job. Like we basically worked from six in the morning until 10 at night every night uh, fishing. We did have, we did have like times where there was lulls. And we would just kind of do nothing for a couple of days or whatever. But most of the time we work really hard. And I remember the skipper telling Lisa, um, um, we were married at this time. I was telling Lisa that uh, it would probably be about a month or so before they'd, we'd be in. And, you know, because she was, the plan was for her to come out to Eclulet on the east, uh, west coast of Vancouver Island. And she'd meet us there because we were, an, he was an outside fisherman in the sky. So his license was for off the west coast of Vancouver Island. Mm-hmm. If you're an inside fisherman, you're, you're, uh, you were, you know, fishing the Strait of Juan de Fuchsia, aka the Salish Sea, and um, so yeah, so we fished the west off the west coast of Vancouver Island and then up into Haida Gwaii, up into the Queen Charlotte's, and so we, uh, you know, some days there'd be nothing happening, and we might see some whales, and the skipper would be like, "Oh, let's pull the lines up. I'll just follow these whales around for a while." So we just follow the whales in the boat, oh, cool. like maybe a mum with her calf, and we just kind of be far from them, but so we could see them. And that was kind of cool. And sometimes I got, you know, a couple of times I got to swim, swim with sunfish oh, wow. out in the ocean. Like, yeah, couldn't yeah. even see land where we were oh, out yeah, there. Yeah. So we're just out in the middle of nowhere, just swimming in the ocean. And I just shuddered to think of what was underneath me. But, uh, you know, it was fine because, you know, you're just uh, out on the yeah, surface yeah, yeah. with these big fish. that How like to, cold is that? It was freezing. So yeah. cold. Yeah, so cold. Uh, but not as cold as the Strait of Juan de Fuca for some reason. Huh. And it might, it might have just been because I was... It was warmed. It was warmer there. It wasn't because when I tried to swim in the strait, it was a shaded area, and there's no sun to help you like come out of the water and give you a little bit of, or just sit on the surface near the surface and kind of be on the warm water. Nothing like that. Um, we saw puffins. Oh, nice. Saw seals, puffins, whales. We almost got hit by a whale. Oh. A whale almost smashed into the boat one time. It notices at the last second and dove down, and it. So there was there's this whale like almost within touching distance, like it's the whole whale like. Dipping, dipping down into the water, like swimming down into the water to go under the boat. And I remember wow. the skipper running out just before he showed up going, I guess he saw it in the radar. And he said, he ran out saying, pull up the gear, pull up the gear. But before we could even react, the whale was there and it just swam down. But luckily it didn't get t- entangled in the lines that went oh, deep wow. enough. Um, yeah, it was, a, I mean, it was a grueling work and I'm an introvert. So I had some problems with like 
being with two people constantly or three people when because his daughters came with us for a couple couple of for a week or so they'd just come up and, and be on the boat for a week and uh yeah the one <laughs> the one daughter was like going through the angry teenage phase which is like so perfect because i just wanted to like tease you know so i remember she was eating alphagetti she was a vegetarian she's eating alphagetti and i said if you brought the spoon up and it had m-e-a-t would you pour it back into the <laughs> it's like no it's a joke because the other question like okay it's bad luck on a on a fishing boat to open a can upside down okay exactly and i said what if uh, at the factory they put the label in upside down <laughs> And they're like, their response was, it doesn't matter if it's, if it's upside down, it's still a top or whatever. You know, they just couldn't see the humor in that. <laughs> My little skepticism. But yeah, so it's kind of, it's sort of difficult because, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a dumb person. And I like, like, I like intelligent conversation. You know what I mean? Like, I like a certain level of like, you know. Yeah. This show is being the exception. Is, is, yes. And so... That proves the rule. But, you know, these were nice people, but they weren't that way, right? Like, yeah. they weren't... They didn't look at the world that way or... You know, and so when I made a joke like that, it just sank like a stone because it just that's not how they see the... There's nothing funny to them about taking the world apart and looking at it a different way. So, um, yeah, it was just sort of interesting in that way. But uh, what's important about it, though, is that I made on the... In three months of the summer, I made $18,000. And that's what gave us our down payment for our townhouse. And then I got another $5,000 as because what would happen is we'd go into to port. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, Lisa was told to we'd take about a month to come in. It took us a week. Mm. We went out and we were like so, so busy that we filled up on coho salmon oh, wow. in a week and we were back to port. And then they would like lower a bucket down into the hold. And me and the deckhand would be in there and we would just put all the fish carefully into this bucket. Yeah. And then it would get taken out. And they were careful on their end, too, because it's all about oh, yeah, yeah. the quality of fish, right? All about how it looked when it went to market. And so uh, so we would fill all these buckets with the fish, and then and then it would get sold. Or we, And he was part of a cooperative, and so it would be sold. In, and But he was so nice, because he didn't have to do this, but if, like, he paid us, like, you know, this is market value, you get this amount, yeah. eighteen grand out of my, that's your ten percent of the catch. But if it happened to sell for more than that, so say my hard work as a gutter, you know we got, always got A grades for our, for our presentation. So uh, he sold for way more than he would have if it had been poorer graded. Right. And so we got a share of that as well. So nice. I got an extra five thousand dollars. So that was really great. The only problem was I never got had a job where my taxes weren't taken out of it. And so when tax time came, I was suddenly like, oh, you owe this amount. I'm like, what? <laughs> Not used to this. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, pretty much a big part of like, Lisa and I, like getting us on our feet, you know, and, and Mary was on her way. Like Lisa was pregnant with Mary. Like it was in the last trimester, yeah. basically, that I was on this fishing boat. So Lisa was going through all that. Yeah. And I was away. And because she was your daughter, she's perfectly stacked in the womb. <laughs> she's perfectly stacked. I hope so. Uh, that was hard to be away from that. I remember I had a, yeah. I had a calendar in, in, in my, where my birth was. And I would mark it off every day. And Because, you know, I didn't hate where I was. But I just so wanted to be home. Because oh, I'm course. a very homey person. I, that's where I want to be, right? So um, I would market you know and just like a, one more day one more day one more day and uh i kind of wonder if they maybe resented that that i was so like bound in term but you know i had a wife pregnant yeah, wife like who that's would... why you were there <laughs> that's right exactly. you weren't there to start your fisher uh fisherman <laughs> career yeah yeah i mean it was understood it was just for one time and and yeah 
but I mean, I, I, you know, in other ways, I enjoyed it immensely, and I would never want to never have. I would never want to have not have done it, because even though I got a bum knee and a bum elbow out of it, it was like a great experience. You know, it was a great experience. Like, you can't, you know, you can't be like whale watching, just because they happen to be there when you're, like, you're not looking for them. They just show up. They just, yeah. they just come out of the water in front of yeah. you. You know, it's amazing. And puffins, you know, if you call a puffin, it'll, it'll come. It'll circle the boat. Oh. So yeah, when, if it's flying by and you go, Puffin, Puffin, come here. They'll come over and see why you're yelling. And then they'll fly away again. Oh, wow. They're kind of not very good for survival of a species, but it's su- <laughs> super cute because they're such cute birds. And then when we were in uh, Haida Gwaii, um, we had a day before the sockeye run started. So we couldn't fish. We just had to wait. And so the skipper and I, we, uh, he made me row, but we rowed badly. We rowed uh, the boat from the, into this little inlet and we found this creek. We parked there or landed there, and then we followed the creek and we found this lake. Just no one around, of course. It's just way in, in the middle of nowhere. Went for a swim, just naked. Went for a swim in this this lake, and it was just so magical because there's nothing there, right? Nothing at all. When we were going, at, when we were rowing, we saw this big buck, and the skipper, of course, being a man's man, is like, "Oh, if I had my gun with me, can't we just look at it?" But, you know. I know if you were a real man's man, you just go punch it. <laughs> and then, but yeah, swimming in the lake was just magical. And then coming back down and getting in the, and then you know the crabby deckhand was there. He was kind of a grumpy guy the whole time I was. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was good. That's great. So there you go, everyone. Remember, I used to have that little thing of uh, fish, that little kind of like a key, like a ring of different type of fish. I had like the coho chinook oh, or spring. Not sure. I brought Maybe. it to the yeah, show yeah. one time, way in the first season. Yeah, I brought yeah, it yeah, in. yeah. So I found it in the laundry room. <laughs> So I was like, oh, I'll bring this in. Because, yeah, so there's uh, coho, pink, chum, uh, sockeye, and then chinook or spring salmon. The most valuable are coho, spring, and sockeye. Sockeye used to be considered a junk fish. Well, okay, what changed? Uh, uh, sushi. All right. Because it's a, it's a very rubbery fish. So it works. Okay. It, holds its, it holds its texture well in, for sushi. It was okay for barbecuing and smoking, but most people didn't in canning. Yeah. But most people went, I shouldn't say barbecuing. It was good for smoky, smoked meat and canning, but most people didn't use it for like cooking. Uh, spring and coho were much more popular for barbecuing and stuff. Right. And so those were the really valuable fish for a long time. But then uh, when the Japanese market opened up and sushi like became a thing to supply, that was... Interesting. Yeah. Big money. Cool. Big well, there you money. go. Because we filled up. We filled up when we were in... Haida Gwaii. The whole hold was full. This, this, uh, the um, the freezer, like the there's like a freezer top that you would walk into. That's where the shells were. That was full. Like we had all the wow. shells full of fish in there. We had this fish like laying on top of other fish. Oh my gosh! It was we were so we were packed. That's where we made our money. This has been something fishy with uh, Dave. <laughs> Tales of uh, fishing. Long time listeners are like, ugh, I know all this information. I didn't know all that information. I'm a long time listener, so that's great. <laughs> I'm all for it. Um, you were uh, you were mentioning that there was uh, that there was a question from someone about like a, did someone gave us a question or that was, was that tr- the, uh, Trevor's question? That was Trevor's question, so he has yeah. not given us a question no, to ask. No. Okay, well, but I have a question. Okay, good. Because I was thinking about you sent me a couple of interesting things this week, and one was a guy named I think Art Snow was his name. Uh, I can't remember the name now. Uh, he did like a children's show in Winnipeg, right? And Manitoba. a character called I think Archie Wood. Archie Wood, that's his name. Sorry, yes. Archie Wood and uh, oh, I assumed Archie Wood was the ventriloquist dummy, oh, just because okay. he had the name oh. Wood in there. Okay. So I'm assuming Archie yeah. Wood is. I the think dummy. the guy's name was like Art. I can't remember his name now. Um, a former 
former friend of the show, Robert Dayton, was a <laughs> big fan of that uh, fan of that show, and uh, and like it's one of those things like where KTEL when it started, yes, they were doing um, they were doing um, what am I what's the word I'm looking for? They're doing like their compilations, okay, but they would also do like local artists and stuff like that as well. And so this guy was like a local TV host, children's TV host, and so they did an album with all his. Cra- his characters, which right. nowadays seem like crazy because everything looks crazy when, <laughs> like everything from the seventies looks dangerous to us now. Like sure, sure. Like you just look at anything at that time, you're like, how did people live? But my question, based on that, is, what's the like, craziest kids show you remember from when you were a kid? Okay, yeah, we also talked about Sid and Marty Croft. So. Yeah, those are also crazy. Yeah, something like that. Like what? Yeah. If, do you remember ones like British ones or wherever you're from? Ones that were so yes, Archie Wood was the uh, was the ventriloquist okay. dummy. Yeah, uh, Uncle Bob was Uncle Bob the, was the okay. uh, was the thing. Yeah, yeah. For me, when I was a, when I was a kid, we had Magic Tom. Okay, who was a kind of big guy who would occasionally dress like a cowboy and he'd mm-hmm. do magic. Yeah, and uh, host a show. And, you know, and interview people, and then <laughs> and then occasionally you'd go to like a dude ranch or something. Okay, you could tell the dudes weren't like down with yeah. Magic Tom and his big cartoony. Cowboy uh, burlesque, um, <laughs> but yeah, I saw him once at uh, a mall performing. And oh, I was right. like, "Wow, it's Magic Tom! Wow, it's a big deal." That is cool. Yeah. So uh, yeah, but the, the the thing that was interesting about uh, well, there's a couple of things. First of all, we should put up that uh, yeah, we'll put that up Funland thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you sh- you we had a uh, there was an album with uh, there was I think Christmas songs with Archie Wood, uh, but they're clearly on. The um, the Mister Rogers set, like it's the neighborhood of make believe. That's uh, King Friday's castle. Okay, I wonder if he... there's no two ways about it. Well, it was Mister Mister Rogers or Fred Rogers was the person who recommended Ernie Coombs to be Mister Dressup. Right, they worked together on uh, Butternut uh, Square. Yeah, and so when CBC wanted Mister Rogers to come up there and, and do a children's show, but he didn't want to move up to Canada, but he recommended because he was already doing his own show, yeah. so he recommended uh, Ernie Coombs as the and so he might have had a connection to other TV hosts and stuff like that. Oh, it could be. Yeah, it's interesting. But it was weird just seeing, like, on the cover of the Christmas album, that's Mr. Rogers set, for, for sure. Uh, and, yeah, there's now a, a Mr. Dress-Up documentary that's coming out uh, that looks pretty good. So uh, looking forward to seeing that. Uh, my que- my question that I would uh, give... Did you have it? Yeah, so your one question is, uh, what's the craziest kid show? And my my other question would be because there was a little talk earlier about uh, going to see movies um, uh, on your own, uh, which I also did when I was um, when I was like eleven. Um, but what was the age that uh, you went out and started doing stuff on your own as a kid, like going out, okay. maybe seeing movies, maybe yeah. doing stuff? And so, so sort of a double question: What age was it that you started going out independently, and what did you do? Mm. What was your what was your activities? I'd get on a bus, I'd go downtown uh, in Burlington, Ontario, and I'd go to a comic book store and I'd look yeah. through the used comics, wow. and uh, the guy would rip me off, would <laughs> rip me the hell off if I brought in comics to sell. Constantly rip me off, uh, but I still enjoyed it. Uh, going to the comic shop wasn't like a big deal. We just rode our bikes there, so I don't consider that like. Doing something that kids yeah, and it wasn't a comic shop. Comic yeah. shop. It was just a magazine store that had a box of uh, yeah. comics that I would like flip through. For me, grade four, which is when I started working and I had pocket money, I started. I would start taking the bus to Lougheed Mall to see movies. Mm. I was like, I would say my first like, I didn't go as far as Vancouver in those days, but I would, uh, I would go to the mall and you know to the movie theater with my friend. Yeah, nice. 
So there you go. That's uh, questions. And now, Dave, how do they reach us? Well, how do you reach us indeed? Our phone number is... Klondike 5. <laughs> Transylvania 65000. Is that you, Mert? Our... How do you reach us? That's a good question. Well, here's how we have a website. <laughs> have you forgotten after? Yeah, Are you okay? Right, okay. I just this seems like a sign of uh, stroke or something. Well, I was thinking about I was thinking about this K Tale album that was released back in the seventies called Rock Fantasy. All right. Which is kind of a similar thing. It was like totally only a, it was just a K Tale thing. There's a guy named I think his name was like Leo Rossevier or something like that, and he did this album, and it's like songs sung by different anthropomorphic animals. Uh, oh, with a lot of dumb voices brought, and stuff like that. You've brought this up on the show before. I think maybe Rob Dayton brought it up on the show before. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because uh, he did a live July show. July Toilet based did, on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. They did. They had had costumes and everything, and did the did a whole like version when they because they would do every show they did. They only performed once, and so they did this once. They had costumes and everything, and they just did it as once. Right. But anyway, um, I'm trying to see right now how much a sealed mint copy of Rock Fantasy costs. <laughs> On uh, on eBay, uh, fifty three dollars. Not bad. Yeah, it's all right. All your favorite animals. All your favorite, <laughs> favorite animals. Yes. You'll hear the giraffe. <laughs> yummy, yummy, yummy. I got love in my tongue. The original songs, though. Yeah. Okay. They're 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 impersonations. I want a neck with you. Oh, okay. They're impersonations of of singers and stuff like that. But there are there so, are like original so, songs. Okay, give me this concept. So the concept is it's so it's a giraffe, yeah. but it's an imitation of. Say Elvis Presley, but sometimes, it's an, but it's an original song uh, that yeah. a giraffe is doing as Elvis Presley that yeah. somehow relates to the fact that it's, it's a, a giraffe. giraffe. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's a lot yeah. of dumb and a lot of dumb jokes. Well, my neck gets sore and it's really long. That's right. Okay, yeah. I got strep throat. Baby. Or it could be like Peter Lorre singing or something like that. I don't. I can't remember like all the variations now. But okay, everybody. Want to tell us about Rock Fantasy? Here's your chance. You can go to SneakyDragon.com. That is our website. There you will find this episode. And underneath it, you will find... What will you find, Ian? Oh, you will find uh, a message area. And that message area will have space for you to comment whatever you wish to comment. You can do that on any past episode as well. And you don't have to do yeah. the modern ones. You can go back in time and comment on our second episode. It's and true. go, learn how to talk, dummies. <laughs> Uh, I think they, they're they're different, but they have their own uh, they have their own appeal. Okay. Or <laughs> if you are a private individual who, or maybe you just want me to read your letter, which I appreciate, you can go to sneakyd at sneakydragon.com and send us an email. Mm-hmm. That's all, also appreciated. We're on Facebook at Sneaky Dragon. We're on Twitter at sneaky underscore dragon. Those are ways to get in touch with us. Easy ways. You just say, "Hey, at Sneaky Dragon, what do you think of this band named I don't know Sparrow." Right, and they'll go, I think they're called The Sparrow. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there you go. And also, hey, if you're in Belgium... In uh, on October 22nd and 23rd of October this year, uh, will Dave and I be there? Yeah, Mm -hmm. we're there. We're Uh, we're at the uh, Facts uh, Comic-Con in Ghent, uh, Belgium. And uh, we're going to be there. I'm going to have some copies of uh, Sparks, of yep. the book we did together. And my wife, Pia Guerra, is going to be there. She'll be drawing and signing things. And we'll be trying to speak French and uh, doing a great job. And we're going to do our best to uh, take a day and go to the Hergé Museum. And then uh, the hope then is to do a bonus episode of Totally Tintin uh, with our experiences there. And hopefully get a lot of free stuff. <laughs> 
We're going to do a lot of, hey, we got a podcast and uh, we're from Canada. And, uh, oh, you speak no English? Oh, I say, well, bye. Uh, walk away. <laughs> They'll speak English. And then I'll just sadly go and eat my croque monsieur. Yeah. We're going to the city with the fabulous motto, get Ghent. That's right. We're going to be having some nice waffles. And yeah. uh, that's it. That's all I know about it. It's got waffles. There you are. Uh, so, so yeah, if you're there in Belgium, please say hi. And if you know the city, tell us what to do when we're there. Like, what should we see? What should we do? Yeah. Yep. All right, everyone. Uh, if we don't see you in Belgium, we won't see you. <laughs> Highly trained U.S. SEAL team speeds to hotspots around the globe, racing against the clock to stop a deadly terrorist attack. So, plot number six. <laughs> that is so generic. Yeah. It's so generic. Friends become enemies. Enemies become friends. Character we like dies. Frenemies become enemies. Enemies become frenemies. Sea and enemies become sea cucumbers. <laughs>